Happy October, Patreon supporters. September flew by, especially being asleep for <laughs> the second half of it with COVID. Uh, so today I'm going to give you a, a very fun throwback of uh, how, I, how to Marry a Mormon. This screenplay that I wrote several years ago that we had the full panel come on and do a reading of parts one and two. Nice way to start off October. But before I share that with you, I had an idea this morning and I just pulled out the phone and recorded a a little story um, that I'll probably do something with in the future. So it's kind of still in a rough form, but I thought you might enjoy hearing it. So I'm going to share that story with you right now. and You'll probably relate to some parts of it. And uh, then you can figure out how to marry a Mormon if you haven't done that already. Maybe if you've done, you want to do it again. Maybe you don't. All right. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Happy October. Talk with you again soon. Once upon a time, in a land within my very imagination, once upon this time, actually, There lived a king. Why not? He was a good king. He loved all of his subjects. They loved him. That's why they made him their king. He was wise. He protected them. Above all else, he cared about their well-being and their safety. And they would bring him their problems, and he, from the wisdom of his heart, would solve them always coming from a place of love, very rarely a place of fear, until one day, his subjects brought to him a problem. People were getting sick, violently sick, some even deathly ill. The king did an investigation and found that the food that they were eating was contaminated with a poison. The exact nature of the poison they didn't know, they didn't understand. They just saw the effects of it. And quickly, the king banned that type of food. No more wheat, no more grains, because this was the source of poison. So they went to just a meat diet and dairy, until one day, it began happening again. This poison, this contaminant, was now in the meat, was now in the dairy. So once again, the king banned all dairy, all meat and then uh, it got in their water and you can see the pattern, right? you can see what was happening with this king 
they were eliminating the forms through which the poison was being contracted, passed, contaminated. Instead of focusing on getting the poison out of the food, they banned food altogether. And they all starved to death in perfect peace and serenity, knowing that they were protected from this poison. Now, I might tell a story like that in today's environment, and you think that I'm giving some kind of an allegory about the COVID virus and different responses and reactions to it, but I'm not thinking about the coronavirus. I'm thinking about greed. I'm thinking about intolerance. I'm thinking about the different poisons of the mind that make us reject in form things that could be of great benefit to us were it not for that small bit of poison that's contaminating it. Take, for example, the idea of inspiration. For those like me who were raised in a religious tradition that promoted the supremacy of inspiration of some over the inspiration of others and use inspiration as a way to manipulate and control and to fear and to shame. And so what did I do? Okay, no more inspiration. That's BS. I don't buy it. Throwing out the form without really understanding what was contaminated in it. Where that manipulation, where that abuse was coming from within the abusers. And more importantly, where that contamination was coming from within me. Times when I would manipulate, times when I would abuse, times when I still do, times when I still fall into those habits. But instead, I looked at inspiration as the problem, inspiration as the evil. I looked at religion as the problem, religion as the evil without recognizing it's the abuse itself, regardless of the form. Because then I went and I found that same type of abuse in academia. I found that same type of abuse within the corporation that I worked for. I found that same type of abuse within my family structures. And as I mentioned, I found that same type of abuse even within my own very being, my own nature. It's part of life, it's all part of life. And the end for all of us is a peaceful death. Might be a rough, rocky, painful road to get there, but in the end, it is that peaceful, sweet release of the illusion that we are anything but the nature that underlies the nature of nature. Yes, we are human beings. But what are human beings? Where did we come from? How did we get here? trace the path of evolution, look at all of the living cells within the body, realize what it took for them to evolve to the point of communication, the role of resistance in life. If you think about one cell and you think about the membrane that surrounds the cell, 
this tremendous pressure, this tremendous resistance, it provides protection from the outside environment. It, it keeps the functioning organelles of the cell within the cytoplasm inside of it protected. It, it maintains an environment that's necessary for that cell to do what it is that it needs to do. But if that membrane is not porous in some ways, if it doesn't relax its rigidity and resistance, the cell cannot communicate with other cells. It can't share information. It can't share nutrition. It can't be part of a larger multicellular network if all it does is sh uh, shut itself off and double down on its own resistance. So there must be a balance between resistance and acceptance. And in the case of inspiration, for many years after being burned by religion, I put up strong resistance. Anything that someone would say is inspiration, I would scoff, I would mock. Anything that came up from within me that I felt could be inspiration, I scoffed and I mocked. But I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to continue to question. I'm going to continue to examine. I'm going to continue to look for contaminants such as greed, pride, the desire to dominate, the desire to control other people. Ways that I express my fears and project them onto others, thinking that it's their problem rather than recognizing that a simple adjustment in my own way of viewing things oftentimes makes all of the difference in the world when it comes to feeling safe and seeing the truth of the abundance all around me and within me. And the expression of nature that I am as the nature of human nature. And they all lived in many different states of mind ever after. <laughs> this is Infants on Thrones. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is episode 673, How to Marry Mormon, Part 1. That's How to Marry a Mormon, Part 1. It's a throwback episode. This is a silly little screenplay that I wrote many, many, many years ago, and we got the entire panel together back July 2015 to just rip it apart and just have fun with it. And uh, it's a two-parter, so you're going to get part one today, part two tomorrow, How to Marry a Mormon. Enjoy. This is real? It is a screenplay starring himself. Agent Michael Scar. Of the FBI. How long is this? Oh, Pam, good work. Do we all have our copy of Threat Level Midnight by Michael Scott? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get this started. I'm going to be reading the action descriptions. And Phyllis, I would like you to play Captain Zeta Jones. That's the character's name? Oh, you yeah. guys should not be doing this. Why not, Dwight? This is a movie. I mean, this is 
for all of America to enjoy. You took something that doesn't belong to you. Dwight. Brought it in here. Do and made you want of it. to play the lead role of Agent Michael Scarn? Inside the FBI, Agent Michael Scarn sits with his feet up on his desk. Catherine Zeta Jones enters. Sir, you have some messages. Not now. They're important. Okay. What are they? First message is, I love you. That's for me. Not in a thousand years, Catherine. We work together. And get off my desk if it isn't my old partner, Samuel L. Chang. Agent Michael Scarn, you lost some weight. Thank you for noticing. Michael Scarn takes out a 9mm gun and shoots the kid for kid. Ha ha ha, Agent Michael Scarn, you're so funny. Word. This is Infants on Thrones. Philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Smile, 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 smack down. Smack down. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and today we have a very different kind of smackdown type episode than we've ever had before. Because today we're not smacking down a blog post or an essay from LDS.org or anything else like that. We're smacking down one of us. More specifically, we're smacking down me. So let me set the stage for you. I'm a creative person, and before I got involved with podcasting, I had other creative outlets. I've written songs, created murder mystery games, dabbled with blogging, started novels that I've never actually finished, and from about 1997 to 2003, in my spare time, just for fun, I wrote screenplays. Is this real? It is a screenplay starring himself. I wrote a bunch of screenplays. I was a member of a, a website called Zoetrope, where you could exchange your screenplays, and you read other people's screenplays, and they read yours, and... You know, it was something fun that I did for several years. And in 2002, two movies came out that influenced me to write the screenplay that we're going to smack down for you today. The first movie was called Singles Ward, which many of you are familiar with, I'm sure, and is a super cheesy, very safe, mildly critiquing movie about Mormon culture. And the second was My Big Fat Greek Wedding, another cheesy comedy which uses the fish-out-of-water device to explore the peculiarities of Greek culture. So I thought, hey, why not combine the two and write My Big Fat Mormon Wedding? So I did, and I called it How to Marry a Mormon, and it's also super cheesy, intentionally so. Now there's three main storylines that all converge in the end, so just to avoid any confusion up front, let me set this up for you briefly. Our main storyline focuses on Jill, a Mormon girl in New York City who falls in love with Jack. That's right, Jack and Jill. A non-Mormon guy and brings him home to meet her Utah Mormon family. Zany zaniness ensues, especially when her dad recruits them both for his Christmas roadshow, A Very Nephite Christmas. Our second storyline follows Elder Jared Moore, who learns that his former girlfriend, Jill, is getting serious with a non-Mormon guy. So he decides to go AWOL from his Mexico City mission, and he books it back up to Utah to try and talk some sense into her. And then the third storyline is Jack's ex-girlfriend in New York, who also wants to stop him from getting with this Mormon girl. So she recruits this dweeby Jack Mormon guy to take her cross-country to confront Jack in Utah. 
And I want to apologize up front for how cheesy this is. Now remember, a lot of this is meant to be cheesy, but as you'll hear, I was also writing about things that I really didn't have any experience with and really didn't have any clue about, like falling in love in New York City or how women actually think and act and talk. I was going for an intentionally heightened reality, uh, like a rom-com type reality that I only knew from watching movies and I was really looking to critique Mormon culture because the other thing that was going on for me in 2002 was I was finishing up several years of graduate school in folklore where I'd been looking very closely at Mormon culture and I was writing a dissertation on Mormon humor. So How to Marry a Mormon not only became this fantastic time-wasting diversion from writing my dissertation, it also became a way for me to gently critique Mormon culture and to start working through the angst I felt about being part of this elitist, but naive, myopic, ethnocentric religion and folk group. So this is what you'll be hearing today, and we have all eight infants taking part, so it gets a little rowdy at times. And for now, at least, we only have part one recorded, which is a reading of the first half of the script. I'm sure we'll get to the second half sometime, maybe, if these guys will ever talk to me again after this. It gets a little brutal. But here it is, Smacking Down Glenn, the would-be sort of Mormon screenwriter. Enjoy. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? All right. This is the first time that we've had all eight of us on. We've never had eight before. Uh, ever? No. Ever? No, because we had we had seven with uh, Delin. Delin yeah, yeah. But that was before Hamer joined our ranks. Oh, that's right. So Hamer time. Uh-huh. It's definitely the first time we've done eight with video. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a little disorienting, and you're not going to be able to see much either as we're reading this script. That's true. A little bone to pick with Hamer. Can we just get done with everybody slurping them over? Oh, we're really happy John was there, at least on that Boise Smackdown. He had credibility. Your balls have never been cleaner, John. <laughs> How would you, uh, how would you know, those Jake? Other six monkeys. <laughs> but I, was, I was just talking to, to Rock Waterman. Uh-huh. And he he really liked it. He was gonna he was gonna yeah. put it. He was gonna recommend it, but he's like he just can't to his audience because we we proved that the Book of Mormon is a fraud. Oh, oh, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Well, my my wife he likes the part this. about how we proved that that the LDS leaders are not <laughs> legitimate, but but the, the you know. So anyway, <laughs> all right, all right. Like I'm really nervous about this. I, yeah. I don't actually because I'm. Just, you know, you should be. Like I'm, gonna be super yeah. I'm the one that's getting smacked down. That's true. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, wait, wait. Is actually this is a good point. Going into this, are there any like ground rules you want to say? Like Glenn, and you're like no laughing, or you know, or, no. or is it just kind of, oh, yeah, that's gonna <laughs> no, work. It's all, no, 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 no. Yeah, don't right. find it funny unless it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> yeah, right. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. I'm looking forward to it as well. Okay, so okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna start. So it's called How to Marry a Mormon. So fade in exterior Mexico day. Elder Jared Moore, a 20 year old Mormon missionary in dark slacks, short sleeved white shirt, tie, standard black name tag, rides a beat up mountain bike through a rural Mexican village. He is as blonde as blonde can be, boyishly handsome and confident, completely unaware of his own naivete. 
The sky is blue, the sun is bright. In the background, we hear a group whistling the Mormon primary song, I Hope They Call Me on a Mission. I already... I already, I already prepared that, Randy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm ready. Of course. <laughs> It'll be there. Uh, more smiles and bobs his head. Life is good for this servant of the Lord. Behind him rides his junior companion, Elder Lester Adams, 19. Less, as he is known among the missionaries, is an Hold Idaho hit. Wait, wait, wait. I got really a different script. Scott Wollstenhume. Yeah, right. So there's different versions of the script because... <laughs> Great job, Glenn. No, no, no. Well, because... So, so it's just what, like the Book of Mormon. Exactly. <laughs> it is. I've got the printer's copy. Okay. No, so, so I, I had some inconsistencies in there because there were like five different versions of the script. And this opening scene I took out of the later ones, but the later ones, one that I used, I had put this back in, then I had to make the names sync up. So That's like the 116 pages. We kind of. Yeah. It is like 116 pages. It's all from God, pages. though, right? It's, yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. So the, guy, so the guys are no longer named Cox and Wooly? Right. No. Hammer's really disappointed. No. No, but I but but I have I have a different kind of fun with their names, as you shall see. So right. um, so less as he is known among the missionaries is an Idaho hick with a rubbery face, all lips, teeth, and gums. He is an obedient companion and quick to flash his gummy smile, but he rarely says a word. More passes a group of Mexican boys and girls playing on the side of the dirt road. Hola. The children look at him suspiciously. Moore continues on. This is his village, his message to share with the world. Finally, he can contain himself no longer. God lives, my friends. He lives and loves you as a father. Viva. Viva. Okay, my Spanish is bad. Dios. Dios. Viva Dios, mi amigos. Viva Dios. He smiles back at Adams. Oh. Is it Adams? Yeah, it's Adams. Adams flashes his goofy gums. They're both too excited for words. They pass a dirty young boy playing in a muddy ditch. God loves you, my filthy little hermano. They pass a little... (laughs) You don't pronounce the H. It's hermano. Okay. Hermano. They pass a little girl, also in the mud. And God loves you, my swarthy young Hermosa. More passes. <laughs> Just let him say it. More passes a gorgeous, large-breasted woman carrying a load of laundry down to the river. Their eyes meet. She smiles. He stares at her as he rides past and speaks under his breath. And oh yes, he certainly loves you, me bonita Flora. But before he can finish, he slams headfirst into an adobe wall. Roll the opening credits. How to marry a Mormon. Okay, so that was that this was is, the first scene really, I removed. <laughs> this is really bad. Oh, got it. That's, that's like the pre-scene to the credits. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. yeah okay. A good little scene. All right. My swarthy young. <laughs> okay. Fade in. Uh, interior. A clean apartment. Jill Jensen stands in front of a mirror, prepping herself for a date. She's very attractive, a paragon of purity, with some very healthy spunk. A Mormon girl from Utah, caught between Zion and Babylon with an internship in New York City. She combs through her long hair. Freeze frame. A hand-drawn arrow points to Jill with the caption, Jill Jensen. An arrow points to her outfit, modest apparel. Two arrows point to her ring and her necklace, CTR ring, daughter of Zion necklace. Three arrows point to, one, a Mormon ad poster on the wall behind her with a frog wearing a tiny crown that reads frogs and princes with the surrounding text, there aren't any frogs, only princes who don't know who they are. (laughs) 
Number two, her scripture is sitting on the kitchen table. Number three, a DVD collection with Singles Ward, the RM, the best two years, God's Army, etc. And the well, this gives you a framework for when this is about time oh, yeah. frame, doesn't it? Yeah, I wrote this in, in like 2002, yeah. 2003. This is when you uh, uh, decided, hey, I could do this. Right? After watching some shitty Hellstorm movies? This is probably the fourth or fifth screenplay I wrote. Oh, okay. So I, I, I've written several before this. But is anyway. this the best one? Or is the other ones, like, top notch? <laughs> the, ones, the ones that got made in the movies, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you seen Avatar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fucking Cameron. <laughs> Were they all were they all Mormon related or no? <laughs> no, no, no. This is the only one that was Mormon related. Oh, okay. An arrow points to a picture of Jill and Elder Jared Moore at the airport. Elder Moore has his arm around her but is not touching her. The caption says Mormon missionary boyfriend. The scribbling disappears and the following words appear. Modest, waiting for her missionary, searching for for fulfillment. Analysis, good Mormon girl. Uh, switch scenes. So, all right, um, sorry, real quick. What does that part? mean? He's not okay. touching her. What does that mean? Yeah, arm around her, but not touching her. You know, like a missionary that's being cute, like putting his arm up. He no, can't like touch a, her. Like his, a good yeah, missionary. Like his hands, his his arms hovering like an inch above her shoulders. Uh, okay, yeah, because he's already he's already been uh, he's set apart. You can't touch. I him. have a bunch yeah, of pictures yeah. of that of the these ladies that were teaching us in the MTC. I thought it was so clever. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I never heard of that. Okay, got it. All right. Hey, real quick though, can I just I want to disclose something? I was not invited to my nephew's. Um, uh, mission, him coming home from his mission today. So, uh, his homecoming at the airport. His homecoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the airport. They didn't even tell. They didn't even tell us about it. Kind of uh, shitty. That mm-hmm. That's just reminded me of that with him coming there. Sorry. That's all mm-hmm. I have. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, interior messy bathroom. Jack Harding wipes the steam from the mirror. He's in a towel, just out of the shower. He finishes shaving, slaps his face twice, and smiles in the mirror. <clears throat> his white teeth twinkle. <laughs> Freeze frame. An arrow points to a tattoo on Jack's arm with the caption, Tattoo. An arrow points to a pot of coffee brewing on a table that we can see through the open bathroom door. Hot drinks. Two arrows point to a pair of Hanes briefs and an A-style undershirt resting on top of the toilet. Tidy whities Wife beater undershirt. Three arrows point to, one, a chick poster on the wall behind him, two, a copy of uh, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, three, a DVD collection of A Few Good Men, Last Samurai, To, da- uh, to Die For, American Beauty, and the captions, chick poster, swimsuit edition, rated our movies. An arrow points to a crumpled picture in the trash can. It's a photo of Jack and Sidney Fox, who is dressed very provocatively and has her <laughs> arms all over Jack. And the caption, worldly ex-girlfriend. The scribbling disappears, and the following words appear. Truth deprived, missionary target, searching for fulfillment. Analysis, non-Mormon boy. I see what you're going for there. I like the arrow thing. That's funny. Yeah, yeah is, I got, that, like I got a... that from Bedazzled. Oh, you seen the opening yeah. credits of Bedazzled? They, they kind of do that, where they, like, pause yeah. and they point to people, like, cheats on his taxes. Like that. I thought right, that was right. funny. So the uh, when you get the bullet points, like, I guess what I'm envisioning is almost like Terminator, where... You know, where he, he does the analysis and is like, you know, dun, 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 analysis uh, complete, determined, non-threat. Is it that yeah. type of thing or is it just kind of... It's more like an FBI report that's printed like on the screen. Like typewriter. Yeah. Although there is a Terminator scene coming up. 
Oh, but we'll All get right. to that. Okay, uh, switch scenes. We fade into a missionary apartment in Mexico. A Mexican flag hangs on the wall along with missionary cartoons and a Polaroid collection of the different missionaries who have come and gone with their names and dates written on the wall beneath. I haven't read this in a long time. An empty video cover on the counter reads, October Zone Conference. On a beat-up television screen, the video image of Elder Stephen Erastus Knudsen III stands behind a podium addressing his congregation. He speaks with the traditional intonation typical of Mormon leaders. He is tall, thin, rigid, and robotic, ultra-serious, no appreciation for humor. I recognize that guy. I'm friends with him on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Elders and sisters, religion is a deeply serious matter. We as missionaries in this corner of the Lord's vineyard must take our roles more seriously. The Lord requires it. The Lord demands it. An unidentified sound whizzes past the background. As we look around us, at conditions in the world in these latter days, we see far too much thoughtless. <laughs> we see far too much thoughtlessness disguised as wit, carelessness masquerading as merriment, frivolity shrouded in mirth. A second unidentified sound whizzes past in the background. The Lord has made his position clear: no loud laughter, no light-mindedness. We have covenanted our somber dedication to his work. Flat. A nice, juicy spitwad hits the TV screen right on Nudson's forehead. Oh, okay. I guess the earlier ones weren't bees. They, they, they were like, like, it was like, oh, it was spitwads that were missing the TV. Right. That's right. what it was. And then this one, flat, a nice, juicy spitwad hits the TV screen right on Knudsen's forehead. Two missionaries sit side by side watching the TV. A rough-looking scoundrel of a missionary with overbleached brown-orange hair. I should call him. Oh, I was probably thinking of Rupplinger, who I think listens to this sometimes. He was uh, uh, in my mission. Anyway, uh, overbleached brown-orange hair holds a straw in his mouth. His companion, Elder Jared Moore, shakes his head. That wasn't very nice. Switching scenes to a New York restaurant at night. A dimly lit restaurant is decked out for the Christmas season. Sydney Fox, mid-twenties, sultry-eyed, over-the-top psycho girlfriend from hell, sits across an intimate but cluttered table from Jack Harding, late-twenties, busboy extraordinaire and aspiring actor most recognized for his recurring commercial gig as the handsome man-brand aftershave lotions slap-slap smooth guy. Sydney twirls a black ring around in her hands. Ring box. Oh, Jack. Ring box. Oh, Jack. I don't know what to say. Jack looks at his watch. The restaurant manager, a balding man with a bad toupee, glares at Jack from across the room. It's just so... Sydney opens the box and puts a diamond ring on her finger. She's clearly in her own world. Jack stares at her blankly. Oh, Jack, it's so beautiful. How can I refuse? Jack rolls his eyes, clears the plates from the table, carries them towards the kitchen, and exits. Sydney follows. Jill Jensen sits three tables down and watches Jack exit. Man, this is really bad. I've never, like, what I haven't is, read this. What just happened? Bad. I didn't understand that. Um, he just asked her to marry him. No, right? you're supposed, I thought he's a busboy. You, yeah, you're meant, you're meant to think that he asked her to marry him. Yeah, he is a busboy. He's standing at the table. She's sitting there in, in a little daydream, imagining, pretending that he asked her to marry him, but he hasn't. Uh, Okay. He's, he, so he's busting the table. He turns and he walks away. But then she follows him. Um, I think. Again, okay. I haven't read this in a long time. All right. I just don't yeah. understand. No, that's fine. 
We'll find Jill, out. Yeah, Jill Jensen. <laughs> the suspense is killing us. Jill Jensen sits three tables down and watches Jack exit. Jill is dressed nice and wears a green CTR ring on her finger. She returns to her menu. Across from her sits Dennis Hartman, a smarmy little weasel of a guy, a person who Jill clearly has little interest in. Am I, am I New York? Am I a New Yorker? Can I do that? You know, can I make that choice? I, I had uh, – you can do what you want, but I had um, – Make that choice. Make that choice. Uh, who, who was I think? Oh, David Spade was kind of who I had in mind for this role. But oh, you can do how you want. No pressure. I'm so, glad, I'm so glad they set it up like this. It might really help me get back to church, you know. go. It could go a long way, as I'm saying. It could. I've been looking for a good reason to go back, you know. They could really do with a lot of fellowship. You could really do a lot to fellowship me here. Jill yawns. As Dennis continues <sighs> to speak, Jill yawns like a man. <laughs> <laughs> Jill Jill lazily (laughs) glances around. She does at the different faces in the restaurant. A heavy woman with a mouthful of spaghetti, an old bald man who's too far too old for the cute young blonde across from him, and finally a chubby, freckle-faced brat boy who stares at Jill from a few tables down. The boy's mother is turned away from him, talking into her cell phone. He makes a face. Jill makes a face back. So where was I? Oh, oh yeah, fifth grade. So I was Charlie Brown in the school play, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And on the day of the performance, I guess they did something that kind of tricked the, ticked the <laughs> teacher off because she says to me, Dennis, if you do that again, I'm not going to let you perform. And I just looked down and I said, I'm, I'm Charlie Brown. What are they going to do? Call the playoff? If I don't perform, you're a good man? <laughs> and I, I totally said that. Fifth grade, totally crack myself up sometimes. Autobiographical. The the brat boy (laughs) aims a straw at Jill and lets one fly. Splat. A juicy spitwad hits her square on the lips. I like to spitwads. Yeah, you're really. I know. Jeez. (laughs) She wipes it away in disgust. A thread of saliva trails off her lip. Dennis doesn't skip a beat. And so the next year, they decided to do Wizard of Oz, and they didn't really want me to try out, but I thought, why not? I've always, I've always wanted to play the witch. I don't get uptight about gender roles, so I... Jill blows out a deep breath and looks down at her watch. Hey, Jill, Jill, look at this. Look at this. Does Jill, does Jill talk? Yes. Jill looks up to see Dennis with, but, yeah, with two breadsticks sticking out of his mouth like walrus teeth. Google Kachu on the walrus. Huh? You get it? It's the walrus? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forget about it. Horrible. It's terrible. Forget about it. <laughs> okay. In the restaurant kitchen, uh, Jack washes dishes in the sink. Sydney takes him by the arm and holds out the black ring box. Doesn't this mean anything to you? You were, you really are nuts sometimes. I mean, you must know that. Take that thing back where you found it. Sydney caresses the ring on her finger, lost in her own daydream. A starring role in her own private movie. <laughs> oh, Jack, your grandmother's ring. Nana, you called her. A precocious young immigrant who fled her war trident homeland to make grand a new start in a brave new world. I always dreamed that one day you and I... Jack washes the last disc. The balding manager glares at him again from across the kitchen. Look, I- I've got work to do. Jack exits. Inside the restaurant, Jill munches on stale breadsticks and pretends to look interested. But uh, somebody else was already the wizard. I think it was Mark Ott. No, maybe it was Matt. They were twins, I, I think, unless they were the same person. Weird. Instinctively and without emotion, Jill raises her menu to the side of her head. Splat, another juicy spitwad hits her between three <laughs> others already dried to the menu. Jill doesn't even flinch. Well, they look more like the scarecrow to me anyway. So I said, let me be the witch because I wanted to be the witch so I could say that line. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. 
But you don't think... <laughs> don't you think I say that good? I'll get you my pretty and your little dog, too. Wait, where is it? Ah. But I got in trouble for something again. They took me off the witch, moved me to the spotlight. It was quite the qual- colorful Wizard of Oz that year. I can tell you that for sure. That That's all true. That really happened to me. Okay. Jill, <laughs> Jill glanced around the restaurant and sees Jack clearing tables. She studied him with interest, or studies him with interest. I like strawberries. Wait, what the fuck am I saying? This? <laughs> Come on, you're ruining my moment, man. I like strawberries. Excuse me? Strawberries. I like them a lot. You know, Christmas story. I like strawberries. I can do Scooby Doo. I can do Scooby Doo. Right, right. <laughs> Pretty good. Jill so turns to. Yeah, it's John. Dennis. Is Dennis, or is is Jake's character Glenn then? Yeah, he's he's like the the Glenn he's part like of Glenn's me that character. that just feels like he repels women with every single word and deed, <laughs> just like the most obnoxious. I wonder why the Glenn character? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. repels women. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Jill turns to stare again at Jack. Jack looks up and catches her watching him. She turns away quickly, embarrassed. Okay, Dennis got to go pee-pee. Dennis got to go a little wee-wee. Don't worry, the food always comes when I'm gone. Take your time. I'll be there in two shakes of a lamb's tail. Hey, maybe one and a half. <laughs> I like what you're doing there, Jake. <laughs> he winks, does that annoying gun-shooting hand gesture, okay. leather Tuscadero thing, and leather, exits. Leather Tuscadero reference. Yep. That is awesome. Wow. Jack, I can just see... I, I shouldn't be able to see Tom, but I can see him, like, wiping the tears from his eyes. Oh, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> Jack approaches Jill. She quickly brushes away any trace of spitballs. Uh, hi, can I uh, clear your plates for you? Jill looks down at her table. It's completely 100% plate-free. Right. Uh, look, if I could think of a better line, I'd use this. <laughs> <laughs> that was good enough. I'm I'm usually not this forward, but oh, honey, <laughs> Jack and Jill look towards the kitchen, then at the restaurant around them. Oh, this is so embarrassing! In slow motion, we see a series of shots. A waiter pours wine for the old man and his young, cute blonde. A hostess carries a large birthday cake to the heavy woman whose mouth was was full of spaghetti. The restaurant manager shakes hands with. It. Uh, an exiting customer. The brat boy burns napkins on a candle centerpiece and pours his mother's wine into a little pond he has created on the table. And finally, a very frantic Sydney bowls towards Jack from the kitchen. A waiter with two enormous plates of spaghetti steps directly in her path. Oh, no! <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> it slaps Yeah, right. Yeah, it's just going to like bring the audience right in, right? Sydney crashes into the waiter, who knocks into the wine-pouring waiter, who dumps the wine in the lab of the cute young blonde, who slaps her hands on the table in a misguided effort to catch the wine glass, that launches a fork, hurtling high up in the air. That <laughs> lands- does this sound like the lady who swallowed a spider? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't it's like know why. Game, it's like the game mousetrap. <laughs> it is like mousetrap. <laughs> So the fork lands teeth first into the brat boy's outstretched hand, which causes him to drop his flaming napkin and break the wine pond, which which sets the table immediately on fire, which tells you I didn't know anything about wine, uh, which causes his mother... 
<laughs> to throw down her cell phone and jump for cover right into the hostess and her birthday cakes, which crash square into the restaurant manager's face. Jack rushes to the manager to clean up the cake. He inadvertently removes the bad toupee. That's it, Harding. You're out of here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Oh, well, it was time for a change anyway. <laughs> Dennis enters from the bathroom. Two waiters rush past him to put out the flaming table. Hey, I'm back. Hey, I know you. Yeah, to Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis slaps his cheeks twice, mimicking Jack's aftershave commercial. Jack moves to the exit. Jill stands. I think I'll join you. Jack uh, takes Jill's arm and guides her through the mess. They exit. Sydney lays Jack on the ground. Jack and Jill, really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're just now getting the Jack and Jill. <laughs> I know, but I, I guess I guess I am. There, there are a lot of really bad, a lot of bad punning in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's, it's 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 tongue in cheek. Bad punning. Anyway, if I make it intentionally bad, then the unintentional badness kind of is glossed away, right? So Sydney lays on the ground with a double plate of spaghetti all over her head. Dennis leans over and spins a fork in her spaghetti head and slurps it up. Sydney glares at him through the hole he has created in the spaghetti. It's like a cartoon. Hmm. The spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, city streets at night. Jack and Jill walk along in silence, enjoying the colorful Christmas lights. Thanks for getting me out there, out of there. That was a disaster. Jack looks into her eyes and takes her by the hand. You up for some excitement? <laughs> Jill nods. <laughs> then come on. Okay, now as we have a series of shots. Montage, montage. Yeah. She's got it. Yeah, I got it. This is, this is the series of shots where Jack and Jill fall in love in New York City. Well, but it's but it's the uh, ELO song "Last Train to London" that's of playing course. here. Yeah. Nice. Of course. So they yeah. they ride in a horse-drawn hansom cab, which I probably got from Seinfeld. Rusty. <laughs> they, they ice skate at Rockefeller Center. They eat ice cream. The top scoop falls on Jack's shirt. Jill laughs. Jill gives Jack a mustache and a beard with cotton candy. Oh this is so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> they play head-to-head video games, air hockey, rollerball, laugh and have a grand old time. That's from Karate Kid. I guarantee you that's from Karate Kid. I know, but... They're doing so all the stuff you want to do when so you were a teenager. Yeah. That's right. like yeah. the non-Mormon, though. Why would he be doing all these things? Yeah, yeah exactly. This is written by a Mormon. They That's dance it. at a nightclub. Fast at first, then slow. Then ah. fast again. Hands Ooh. held, arms extended, spinning madly and laughing hysterically. Have you uh, ever been in a nightclub? No, no, never have. <laughs> never. <laughs> but I've seen some on TV. The they're, not, they're not steak dances. They don't like it. Fast, long, slow. You need Night of the Roxbury. Is this love? Yeah. I'm feeling, I'm feeling tonight. Really loud, Randy. <laughs> oh, is that really loud? Yeah, super Again? Loud. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, fuck this shit. I knew I should have brought my other headphones. I'm sorry. Uh... Now we're at Jill's apartment at night. Jack escorts Jill to the door. Jill? Jill! Oh, sorry. I was trying to get my volume down. See? Yeah, I need a towel to wipe the tears from my eyes. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hold on. Tears of joy or tears of sadness? Shame. <laughs> <laughs> tears of shame. Tears of shame. Where's, uh, are we at uh, Jill's apartment night? Yeah. Where you say you turned a really lousy evening. You turned a really lousy evening into something... Well, wonderful. Jack smiles and takes her hand. 
It was pretty amazing for me, too. (laughs) 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 He leans over and gives you a small kiss on the cheek. I'll call you tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Jill, Jill watches as Jack walks away. Once he turns the corner, she raises her fist and does a private little dance thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right out of Broad City. Oh, my gosh. I'm so bad. <laughs> I like the, 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 as I was going through and highlighting this for you, I'd like pause and read a couple of the parts. Like, I, I think men in general write poorly for women, but I was horrible. <laughs> Just horrible. Uh, Jack pokes his head around the corner and smiles. Gotcha. Just <laughs> you doing the little private dance. Exactly. Jill regains her composure, waves to Jack awkwardly, and exits. Like everything I know about women here are from really bad rom coms. Right, right, that's what I was gonna say. That's right. straight out of a rom com. Yeah. Um, okay, we're back in Mexico in the missionary apartment. Elder Moore stands at the door. The the driver, Elder Snell, gets out and escorts Elder Lester Adams, the goofy-looking new missionary, whose wide mouth is all lips and gums. Meet your new green. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Moore, Moore looks at Adams' vacuous, gummy-faced expression and reaches out to shake his hand. It flops around like a dead fish. Hi, I'm Elder Moore. Jared, actually. Jared Moore. But we're all Elder out here, right? Adam puts a sunflower seed in his mouth and munches on it like a bored llama. <laughs> You know, it's like board, back, board llamas munch on sunflower seeds, right? It's like back home, you know. We always told people that the men in my family were all Mormon. Get it? Mormon? Blank stare. Chomp. Chomp. But if you want, you can call me Jared. Blank stare. Chomp. Chomp. Okay. And you are? Adam's name tag is upside down. Moore turns his head to read it. Adams? Huh. So what is it? Gary? Blank stare. Brent? Blank stare. <laughs> Leopold? Adams <laughs> adjusts his goofy glasses and maintains his vacuous stare. Lester. Lester, huh? Less. Well, I was close. Hey, more and less. Kind of catchy, huh? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God damn. Oh. <laughs> this makes me want to, like, poke you in the eye. <laughs> This is bad. This is I like Cox and Wooly better. <laughs> yeah, I want to go back to the steak dance or nightclub. In Man. New York City. Right, from the, where they have the slow dances. <laughs> in a New York City nightclub. Oh, the cotton candy. Everyone grab a lady. Yeah. Did they, did they play uh, Depeche Mode's I Want Somebody? Uh, I think De- Depeche Mode would have been a little too... Uh, Progressive. Uh, risk progressive for me at this point. <laughs> yeah. <Kenny G. laughs> yeah. Blank stare. All right. Well, hey. welcome to the field, Elder. Blank stare. Good luck. <laughs> That's nice. That's a- Antonio Banderas as Elder Snell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I think I was picturing um, Jerry Peter. Wreck? No, uh, oh. Napoleon Dynamite. When I, as I'm describing like this all teeth and gums thing, I think that that's got to be what I was thinking. What, what's the deal with first names? Like Mormons never do that. As as a bushy eyed, you, if you're a new missionary, you you don't care about people's first names. Well, He's calling you out, Glenn. You're you're writing in like some sort of 
non-Mormon kind of personality here. Well, I my, know what's going- in, in my mission, the, the guys that tried to be cool would introduce themselves by their first names and try to encourage the other elders to call them uh, by their first names. And if, really? if they were square, then they wouldn't do it. But if they were cool, then they would go by the, the first name. So, But then this guy's not cool because of his lame-ass jokes. So, like, where does that put him? Right. It, he, thinks, he, thinks he's, he thinks he's way cooler than he is, which goes right back to a very typical Mormon missionary. Got it. All right. It's all clear. <laughs> all right. Cleared it up for me. Okay. So we're back in the missionary apartment. Adams pulls out a large pyramid diagram to track all the days of his mission and tapes it to the wall. So, Elder, where are you from? Idaho. Ah. You've never been to Salmon? Ever. You ever been to Salmon? Yeah. <laughs> Passed through it on the way to Mackey. That, that was an actual conversation I heard between two other missionaries that it just tickled me for some reason and I never forgot I it. it. It's good. But why was Adam? Why is Adams talking to him now, though? Like, because Adams just gave him the blank scare, and all, and now all, all of a sudden he's uh, engaging it's him. Just, it's inconsistent. No, he's questions. Plot hole. It is. It oh. is an inconsistency. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And and because because but it's true because my original conception of Adams was that he never spoke, but then that changed with different iterations of the script, and so the, it's not consistent. <laughs> you asked. All right. Uh, Adams pulls out a Rubik's Cube, a plastic bowling trophy, a pillowcase with his own picture on it, a SpongeBob SquarePants alarm clock, and makes himself at home. He places his day planner on the table, and it opens up to a page with a small brown bronze picture of someone with long hair. Moore sees it from upside down at a distance. That your girlfriend? Adams shows him the picture right side up. It's Jesus. Right. Oh, yeah, right. Here's mine. Uh, Moore shows him a picture of Jill. Her name is Jill. Her name is Jill. Jill Jensen. Her whole family has J names. Jerry, Janice, Joseph. Works out pretty good for me. Jared, Jill. It's pretty much me- <laughs> It's pretty much meant to be. She's in New York right now, but she'll be going back to BYU soon. <laughs> then I get off my mission and well, you know what comes next. Uh, <clears throat> we're outside at Central Park. Jack and Jill stand together by a park bench. As they speak, they keep doing that, oh, brother, coy <laughs> eye contact, looking the other way and smile thing. So, you're an actor? Yes. That's so interesting. What about you? Interior design. Oh, so maybe you could help me out with my apartment. <laughs> maybe. It's not too far from here, you know. Well, I don't work weekends. Jack moves in closer. (laughs) I'm sure we could find something you could do. He leans in to kiss her, but she reluctantly turns away. Jack looks perplexed, but he smiles with an awkward scratch-your-head kind of smile. You know, I don't think that has ever happened to me before. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's not that I don't want to. It's, It's just a little fast for me. Instinctive, I guess. She reaches out and puts her hand on his arm. I'm sorry. Jack looks down at the CTR ring on her hand. What's that? Oh, it's just a church thing. Choose the right. 
I'm, I'm for as, I'm as self-absorbed as I am. I'm, I'm really observant of this, this crappy ring. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. I see. The, there, there are plenty of very contrived moments in this thing. I'm, I'm pretty I see. sure. Yeah. I see. Jack turns his head and looks around. Jill gathers up her determination and leans in for that kiss. As she moves in, Jack turns back around and they knock heads together. (laughs) You okay? Jill rubs her head and then unexpectedly leans up and kisses him. A nice, tender, good first kiss. She pulls away and smiles. Yeah, I'm great. All right, back in the missionary apartment. Oh, man. More stares starry-eyed at this picture of Jill. Yep, she's waiting for me. So how about you? You got one waiting back at home? Adam pulls out. <laughs> All of these things are like stuff that I did. <laughs> so Adam pulls out a Walmart special photograph of an unattractive heavyset girl framed in a wine glass with a red rose at the stem, which I really found in one of my missionary apartments <laughs> once. <laughs> and I used it to show people as a joke, my girlfriend, just to get their response. Anyway. <laughs> Her name's Bethany. We met at the Y. I haven't kissed her yet, but when I get home, I will. Sweet. Back in Central Park, Jack and Jill walk up a hill. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, hand, in, hand in hand. Jill is sad, distant. You okay? <laughs> I've had a really good time with you. Yeah, evidently. Uh, Seriously, what's going on? I'm moving back home in a week. Oh? Where's home? Utah. I've just been interning here for school. My contract ends next week. I don't want to go. Jack steps behind Jill and wraps his arms around her. She Mm -hmm. snuggles into his shoulder. So don't go. (laughs) No, I, I have to. I've got one semester left. Besides, my family would kill me if I ditched out on them at Christmas. It's this really huge thing to them. It's pretty huge for everybody, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I mean, I, I, don't to I, don't know to, I don't know how to play that line. <laughs> You're doing fine. <laughs> Not like this. You'd have to see it to believe it. So how about I see it? Sorry. They're just so many stu- stupid sexual references. What? That wasn't sexual. How about I see it? All right, anyway, show me yours. I'll show you mine. Yeah, that's not what I was going for, but okay. But but you, you, in you not knowing what you were going for, <laughs> right. not seeing it. All right, here we go. You'd come with me for Christmas, but you barely know me. Well, if you were staying here, I'd want to spend Christmas with you anyway. You would? Oh, yeah. Take advantage of that whole mistletoe thing. Works way better than (laughs) headbutting. God. Jill smiles. So, I've I've never been to Utah. I've actually been thinking it might be time for a visit. Maybe get in some skiing or some... What do they do in Utah? (laughs) But what about your family? Uh, Not much of a family, really. My parents passed away a few years ago. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Not a problem. No brothers or sisters. Just an aunt who does a Christmas dinner every year with this bean. 
I'm sorry. With this bean and cabbage and eggnog stew, I'd kill to ditch out on that one unless, of course, it would be too awkward to take me with you. No, not, not at all. Not for me. It might be a little awkward for you. Well, why would it be awkward? A series of shots. Jack's intro to Utah Mormon culture. The following scenes take place over an Osmond family or as Osmond's Christmas medley. I don't remember this at all. Um, <clears throat> Probably because you intentionally blocked it out like we all should. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Salt Lake City Airport. Uh, Jack and Jill exit the plane. Jack immediately notices all the Christmas decorations that look like something from the 1950s. Very wholesome and festive in a Norman Rockwell kind of way. Jack looks around curiously at the half-dozen scenes of missionaries either leaving or returning from their missions without Matt. All of the family, all of the signs, all of the hugs, all of the brownies. As they exit the airport, he sees a group of Boy Scouts caroling on one corner. A group of single young adults carol on another not-too-far-away, good, clean-cut fun. Which, I I never really lived in Utah for Christmas, so I didn't know I was... But you could have, the way you describe it. Really? Did Did I hit it? We just left. I just flew out of Utah, and I was struck with how many groups of missionaries throughout the whole airport there are. I mean, that that really is a a scene. Well, was it on the Wednesday? Uh, yeah, I guess oh, it was. Coming back, so that's Wednesdays. why. I'll do it. Uh, so we're at a freeway at dusk. Jack and John, uh, Jill sit in the back of a taxi cab. Jack studies three dating ads in front of him. Eternalmates.com, CelestialServices.org, and LDSSinglesOnTheProwl.net. <laughs> <laughs> on the prowl? Don't Jack- check these today. I think they're all porn sites. <laughs> <laughs> you think. Uh, Jack looks out at the window and sees a Mormon church on one corner. Directly across the street, he sees another identical Mormon church. Two buildings down from that he sees another wah, wah. he sees a billboard that says families that pray together stay together and then another with a picture of a frowning emancipated or emaciated man that says don't let the millennium catch you unprepared call 1-800-LDS-FOOD for Salt Lake City's food supply expert specializes in food for all cultural preferences That's stupid they pass several Utah Mormon landmarks the Salt Lake Temple all dressed up for Christmas the statue of Brigham Young and a large golden statue of the angel Moroni with the Santa hat on its head. Aww. Never happened. <laughs> it never happened. It never would. It's never like happened. Mormon Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> they stop at an intersection. Two cars in front of them have bumper stickers. One says families are forever. The other one says kiss me on the cheek. I'm Mormon. <laughs> Stupid. A large Escalade pulls up behind the others. Its bumper sticker reads, no, we're not. Okay. Uh. That's pretty good. And, and the series of shots. Um, at the Jensen home at night, Jack and Jill exit the taxi and walk to the front door. Okay, I want to I hold on. I want to ask, so what is your audience here? I don't know, Jake. I, there wasn't one. It, it's it's kind of like Infants <laughs> on Thrones. I'm not doing this for an audience. I wasn't writing this for an audience. I was writing it mm-hmm. for me, you know, mm-hmm. to, as a way of avoiding writing my, my dissertation. <laughs> right. Oh, you're like that writer for the Lost Book of Mormon. Yeah, oh, is that fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, because I was wondering about that. Because the, uh, I mean, the, the framing shots in Utah, I was like, I wonder if those would be intelligible to a non Mormon at all. Or would it just be like, yeah. What? I, you know, what would any of that signify? I didn't I didn't really ever expect that this would be made into a movie or that I would even share it with anyone. 
Because I, you know, a BYU I, I had, TV movie. You're, you're I smiling. Close. I, I can see Jake smiling. But but the the first two scripts that I wrote, I did shop around, and right. you know, but I didn't. The, like the first one didn't really go anywhere. The, sec- the what second one started to, but then didn't. And so by this time, I'd kind of just cut my losses, and I was just doing this for fun because I enjoyed doing it. Um, and like I shared this with some friends, but it wasn't there wasn't really like an audience. This would be a good road show. <laughs> well, at the end, we've got a road show, but I don't know how good of a road uh, show it would be. There's not enough singing. I, I'm yeah. not even sure it'll a be a good podcast. In, there's a road show in the yeah movie. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's too too long for a roadshow, and it's also so many visuals and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you can't, all right. You can't do arrows. <laughs> yeah, you could with cardboard. Ding, yeah, you do like a, you, you do a PowerPoint presentation, projecting it on the screen. Anyway, so Jack and Jill exit the taxi and walk to the front door. The lights aren't on. This isn't a good sign. What do you mean? Just brace yourself. Uh, the living room at night. The room is decked out for the holidays. A half-decorated Christmas tree sits by the front bay window. Jack and Jill enter through the front door. The lights flick on, and 20-some-odd family members jump out from their hiding places. Then everyone can say this together. Surprise! Surprise! Jill's father, Jerry Jensen, approaches Jill and spins her around in a big bear hug. Hello, my little Jillian. And you must be Jack. We've heard so much about you. Welcome <laughs> yeah. to our humble abode. Jill looks nervously around at all the smiling faces. What's going on, Dad? Nothing, nothing at all. Just thought we could start things out by introducing Jack to the family. Jerry pulls a whistle from his pocket and blows. Whoa, sound uh, music. Yeah, right. Uh. <laughs> First, we'll start with the siblings, youngest to oldest to youngest. You all know our Jillian, of course. When I call your name and age, step forward. Leslie, 19. Lavernon, 18. Joseph, 17. James, It's Lavernon. Lavernon? Lavernon. Yeah. Oh, that makes more sense. Okay, Lavernon, 18. Joseph, 17. James, 14. Alton, Trevla. (laughs) Those are my grandparents' names, Alton and Trevla. Okay. Alton, Trevla, Mahonrai, 12. (laughs) Althea, Jerem, 11. Eldon, Goldie, Matthew, 10, Jenna, 9, Jonas, 6, Harry, 5, and, of course, the three babies, Martin, Lamar, and Julia. Of course. I'm, I'm Jillian's father, Jerry Jensen, and this is Jillian's mother, Janice. We don't need to tell you how old we are. Wow, Mrs. Jensen, you look fantastic for having had so many children. Don't be silly. These aren't all her children. Let me introduce you to my other two wives, Sharon and Deborah. Ah. Jack looks uh, around uncomfortably, speechless. Didn't Jillian tell you she was Mormon? Um, no, actually, she didn't. Dad! Well, it's Utah, you know. Gotta play it for what it's worth. He's joking, Jack. So you're not Mormon? No, that part's true. I thought you knew. How would I have known? I live in Utah. The CTR ring. <laughs> okay, wait a second. Right. So they've gone on how many? They've gone on how many dates, and he doesn't have the first clue about her. Like, like he doesn't find know she's out. Mormon. Until, yeah, didn't find out until they were in the park that Cause, she was cause living. Because like, he, he noticed the CTR ring, so he must have known that she was Mormon. She figured. Yeah, because yeah, everybody knows what CTR means exactly. and what that ring means so in, in the outside of Mormonism. 
I'm sorry. I love how I love how John defends me as if this is supposed to make sense <laughs> somehow. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I think you're absolutely right, Scott. There's a lot of things in here. Like like their first conversation, they've already gone on like this whole whirlwind of dates, and she's like, "Oh, I, I'm I'm leaving." You know, I mean, it's just I mean, I'm just that. an intern. He's like, oh, "Yeah, really? right, really? Oh, and what's your name?" What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't really brought that up yet. Even yeah. Obviously, a very deep connection wow. Oh, here. Oh, wow. You're an actor. I see. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is our fourth date. <laughs> okay. So, Jack, Jack says sorry. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I thought you knew. Then all these kids. Neighbors. Except for all the J's and Leslie, of course. We didn't decide on the J thing until later. <laughs> Your Southern Belle. Yeah. <laughs> She's kind of the black sheep of the family. <laughs> Is it, was that your uh, channeling Gone with the Wind? Yeah, yeah something like yeah, that. Yeah, right, whatever shall I do. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Don't worry. Despite our appearance, we're very, very normal. Aren't we, kids? The kids agree. Jerry holds up a golden angel Moroni. Now, who wants to put the angel on the tree? I do, I do. Jack watches curiously as Jerry gives the Moroni to Jenna and lifts her up to place it on top of the tree. Jill pulls Jack aside to speak in private. I'm sorry about all this. I should have told you ahead of time. I really thought you knew. Well, what's to know? It's not a big deal, right? Jill's little brother Jonas turns on the TV. So, you're okay with it then? Why wouldn't I be? A commercial comes on the TV. It's Jack's handsome man slap, slap, smooth commercial. On the TV, Jack stands in his bath towel on the front of a bathroom mirror. He slaps his face twice, smiles into the mirror, and says, Slap, slap, smooth. (laughs) Hey, that's you! The family gathers around Jack. Is that really you? Yep, that's me. You're the slap, slap, smooth guy? I thought you knew. How would I know? The smooth face. I'm an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I thought you knew. Wow, you're famous. Do you know Rick Schroeder? He's Mormon, too. There's a lot of famous Mormons. (laughs) Jack's not a Mormon. He's not? So you're not going to get married? Okay, I think that's enough. Mom? Come on, kids. Let's go practice. We have less than a week, to, a week you know. Come on. Come on. Every woman in your world is, like, is southern. <laughs> Janice is the same woman as before. Uh, okay. Every woman in Randy's world is out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you're supposed to direct me. You should have told me that earlier. He he could still get baptized, though, right? Come on, Jonas. Janice leads the youngest kids from the room. Sorry about that. I can't believe I never realized that was you. Oh, it's not a big deal, is it? So, the slap, slap, smooth guy, is that really your chest or... Or is it airbrush? <laughs> oh. oh no, it, it's real. Nice. And it's magnificent. Thanks, Les. Come on, Jack. 
<laughs> Sorry, let me start over. Thanks, Les. Come on, Jack. Let me show you to your room. Jack and Jill exit. Leslie watches. Very nice. Series of <laughs> shots. Telephone grapevine. Yeah, she brought home that slap slap smooth guy. He's staying in our house for Christmas. <laughs> that? Is, that, is that Tom? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Jill is dating the slap, slap, smooth guy? Yeah, I think they're engaged. They totally, they're, they're totally getting married. I don't know. Christmas Eve, I think. Okay, back in New York, in Sydney's apartment. Sydney okay, holds... Okay, so did, did you mean to depict uh, the, the family as sexist as you did? <laughs> because if you notice, Janice never says anything except, Hi, I'm Janice, and come on, children. Everything else... I've got I've to own come that. On. That's bad. Well, this is before Glenn wrote his ordained women profile, so that's right. Come on. All right, so we're, we're Tom, your little apartment. kid voice is the bomb, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can listen to that all day. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So Sydney holds the phone to her ear. Uh huh. Uh huh. He's what? Sydney hangs up and dials. Uh, so we've got an intercut scene between her and Dennis. Dennis is in his apartment. Dennis does pull-ups on a bar across the top of his doorway. As he huffs and puffs, all we see is his face and torso. Ninety-eight. Ninety-nine! The phone rings. Dennis stops his workout and reaches for the phone on the wall next to him. Hello. The camera pans out to show that he's been standing on a chair, doing pseudo-pull-ups the entire time. Is this Dennis? Sure is, and who might this be? This is Sydney Fox. We met a few weeks ago at the restaurant. Oh, right, my little Pischetti girl. I had a feeling you'd be calling because I ate some spaghetti off your head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, look, I have some news about your girlfriend. Oh, I like that, Bob. Oh, oh, you mean Joe? No, I broke her heart, actually, not my type. I like girls a little more saucy. Well, I just got a call from my friend Sally who heard it from her brother's cousin in Utah that Jack and Jill are getting married on Christmas Eve. Hey, good for them. Look, Jack and I are meant to be whether he knows it or not. I don't know what he sees in that little Mormon girl of yours. But if it's a Mormon girl he wants, it's a Mormon girl he'll get. I have a little preposition for you. Proposition for you. Preposition. <laughs> <laughs> she's got to grab her lesson. Yeah. What? Uh, two? You're on so? there, too. <laughs> At? Sorry, I'm naming prepositions. Right. Uh, <laughs> through? Preposition. Attention. Forward march. Busy prepositions. <laughs> I am listening. Uh, back in Mexico in the Missionary apartment. Elder Moore lays on his lower bunk and stares at his picture of Jill. Elder Adams dangles his goofy hat upside down from the top bunk. You know what would be awesome? You know those maps in those James Bond movies where the guy is going to take over the world? Here's a really cool map with blinking lights and stuff for all the countries. He's already taken over and another really cool map for all the countries he has left that show where the world will look like after he's totally done taking over. You know those maps? We should totally get one of those maps. <laughs> That's like my favorite part of the whole thing. <laughs> I got those. those are you great. really shouldn't, Napoleon. <laughs> yeah. Sure. 
We could use blue lights for the countries that have already missionaries and red ones for the ever, for everyone else. Uh-huh. They probably have that already in Salt Lake. Man, that'd be awesome. Night less or Napoleon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Morn kneels down to, pr- to pray and clicks off the lights. Maybe instead of Elder, we could be all like 007 or something. I could be 00 Adams and you could be 00 more Adams, Lester Adams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ligers. Yeah, yeah, right. Because you can see the evolution. Like at one point where I didn't have him say anything, but then I thought, oh, I could have him say like all these Napoleon Dynamite random things. <laughs> right. And so he's totally inconsistent. Well, but the hard part for me is I haven't read all of this, so I didn't know how Napoleon, I, I didn't know I was right. supposed to be that way when I first started reading it. just comes reading. naturally yeah. for you, Scott. Yeah, It right. really does. That's scary. Yeah. Okay. So, so. <laughs> So, Tom, read, read your part again. Like, you've just had a realization. It's totally separate from he, what he just said. You're like, no way. Oh, yeah. yeah like like, like uh, Ted and Bill and Ted. There you go. No way. Way. More clicks on the light. Adam dangles his goofy head. I'm so sick of reading that. Goofy head over the bed. What? This is terrible. Just awful. How can this be? What? Inspiration. Revelation. I don't know. Whatever it was, I saw it. Saw what? Eldermore grabs his picture of Jill and shoves it in Lester's face. She's getting married. I can't believe it. She's getting married. When? Christmas Eve. To whom? Moore closes his eyes as if he's trying to recapture the visit Wait, vision. correct the grammar. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> he corrected your grammar. To who? <clears throat> People don't say to whom. Anyway, I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moore closes his eyes as if he's trying to recapture the vision. His so eyes grow actually large. Actually, just got revelation. Yes. To get this in- okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, he, he didn't get a letter. He's like, no. He, oh, he no. thinks oh. it's, he thinks it's revelation. revelation. He just imagined it, but he thinks it's revelation. Come but, on. But he Read between the lines. The spirit testified. Right. Yes. John, you really don't know what it was like to be a missionary. <laughs> no, I don't. Thank <laughs> heaven. Yeah. He's not even Mormon. We have to stop this. Okay. Inside a car, Dennis drives. Sydney sits beside him and studies his face. Dennis, huh? Dennis is actually a very handsome name. You don't really look like a Dennis. You look more like a Glenn. Go mad, you know. Right. That, uh, I want back to say, I don't know why, but that somehow that just tickles me. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, a, a, another autobiographical experience, except it was changed. I was told that I didn't look like a Glenn. I was told Glenn's a very handsome name. You don't look like a Glenn. You look more like a Dennis. <laughs> Dennis. <laughs> so that's where this name came from. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I should never have married her. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Oh, oh dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, wait, Dennis is Mormon? Yeah, he's he's uh, he's an inactive Mormon in New York. This is, the, this is the reveal right here, right? Well, he said something about earlier that yeah. she could reactivate him. Wait, wait, I'm yeah, from Mesa? You didn't fucking tell me I was from Mesa? <laughs> well, you're trying to I didn't remember. George gets uh, picked up, hey, keep you've telling picked you something. Up, yeah, you've picked up an affected New York accent. That's good. That's like douchey. That's really good. He is yeah, douchey. Mesa, Arizona, where they pretend to do pull-ups. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, all right. You just keep telling yourself that, sweetie. I always wanted to be a Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, what do I need to know first? Well, I should probably warn you, I'm not the best guy to be giving you these lessons. I'm not exactly the best Mormon in the world. But you grew up in Utah. You know all about Mormons. 
Mesa, actually. But yeah, I was. I suppose you're right. Honestly, you could be the biggest nerd in the world, and I wouldn't mind as long as I learn what I need to know. Being seen with you won't really bother me at all. Oh, so big of her. Oh, that doesn't that, Sydney sound it? like a bitch? She, she is. She is kind of. Oh. <laughs> all right, that's oh. better. Oh. So what? Bob. Dennis? Bob. What do I know oh. first? I he said I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. I didn't hear you. You <laughs> <laughs> <In> character. <laughs> so what do I need to know first? Where do we start? Well, if you're serious about being a Mormon girl, you'll need to learn a few things, important things about Mormon fashion. Some things you can get away with, some things you can't. I'll show you what I mean when we get there. Right. In the meantime, you're going to want to carry one of these. Dennis pulls a dance card from his wallet. What is it? A dance card. <laughs> I got to step away for a second. I'll be right back. <laughs> a dance card. <laughs> My and what is that? It shows that you're worthy to go to church dances, find chicks to make out with and stuff, for guys in your case, or the old Nickmo scene. Nickmo? Yeah, you totally need to know Nickmos, non-committal make-out. We have all kinds of words for kissing, like roll, a big make-out, or a bun, a small make-out. Really? And there's a difference between the different kinds of kisses, too. Watch my mouth very carefully. Dennis exaggerates his lips and tongue to simulate. You have a peach... A plum and an alpha alpha. <laughs> and when I actually created myself, the hallelujah. Weird <laughs> and gross. <laughs> I agree with all of these lines here. I have empathy for the character. Well, we have different degrees of heaven, so maybe that's why. <laughs> That's pretty good, Glenn. <laughs> Sydney looks down and analyzes Dennis's dance card. Nice picture. The picture on the dance card is considerably younger and, if possible, dorkier. Dennis wears an expression that shows he thought he was quite a player. The words D.H. King is handwritten beneath his picture. Why'd you write this? Because back in the day, that's exactly what I was. Dennis Hartman, King. This says 1996. It's been referred to. I've been referred to as. Uh, I've been what's referred to as less active for a while. But you're right. I don't. Don't question my instincts on these things. I know Mormons through and through. So how do I get one of these? Interview with the bishop. He asks you a bunch of questions. You have to say yes to the good ones and no to the bad ones. <laughs> All right. Can I, what, what's with the dance card? Aren't they adults? Yeah. What, what is the dance card? I don't I've never remember that. They're not like 16 though. They're like. Adults, right? Uh, yeah. Dance, yeah, dance cards but, are for 14-year-olds to get into dances. Okay. But he had it when he was in 1996, and this is being written in 2003. Yeah, and this oh, so he doesn't actually know anything about he, Mormons. He thinks he knows about Mormons, but he doesn't really. He thinks he does, but he doesn't yeah. really. Okay. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. I think. John, come on. Back me up here. I had never heard of a dance <laughs> no, card. <I'm> <laughs> Just tell him it makes sense is all I'm asking. Oh yeah, because because it was because it was when he was younger, see, and yeah. so his his youthful self think, has, is extrapolating. That's, That's all he knows. That's yeah. his Mormon world. All Thank right. goodness you joined this podcast, John. <laughs> <laughs> the credibility just went up. Right. Through the roof. Just went up. 
What are the good ones? We, we need like a John Hamer Church of Christ cred scale. <laughs> anyway. He's, he's a solid one, 100. One, you need to know the name of my church. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the Community of Christ. Okay, right. that, that gives you a couple points when you get the name. <laughs> Uh, fail. Uh, yeah. uh, Stop. Paper time. Go for it, man. Uh, what am I doing? Ones that make you look like you're doing the right thing, living the right way. Such as? You know, daily prayer, scripture reading, journal writing, ear supply, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the bad ones? No French kissing. <gasps> no illegal touchy-touch. That means you're not live that that you're not living immorally mainly. The first thing you got to know is that every Mormon girl must save herself for marriage. Really? Oh yeah, they got to. Or at least they have to make everyone think that they are. It's all about image with us, appearance. Nobody wants to bite into a sandwich when all the butter has been licked off your butter sandwich. <laughs> you <laughs> some uh, just something they teach us. You know, you, you they do all kinds of stuff like that. Call you chewed up piece of gum, flail the tongue around the glass of milk bottle to turn so you don't like kissing. I kind of did that when I was saying the alfalfa thing, but that was okay. Yeah. It's meant to keep you pure. Does it work? Dennis flashes a big wolf smile. <laughs> nice. Living proof and babe. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, inside a department store, Sydney exits the dressing room wearing something very provocative. Uh, I'll just leave it up to your imagination. <laughs> Dennis sits in a chair with his hand to his chin, studying her. Where's his other hand? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, spin around for me. It's nice. I like it, but uh, that would never fly. He stands and points out the flaws in the outfit, using the excuse to touch her as much as possible. You have the bare midriff here. Too much shoulder here. And the neckline's all wrong here. Dennis Glenn. picks up. <laughs> Did you ever have, I'm going to say, pause on, on modesty and, and women. This is funny because <laughs> just this scene of like he touches her everywhere that she's immodest to prove that it's not a good thing that she's immodest there because, you know, you shouldn't touch women um, in places where they're. Im- I remember, I think I had a lesson like this, like, would you want to be touched there? Like that women would get. And um, I always thought, like, so it's OK to touch women in those places if they're showing them anyway. If, you, you know? if you're saying you're not allowed, to, like these are the no touch zones right here. I want to be clear that everybody sees right here and here. In here, right. <laughs> that sounds like such a it's, it's you know, the double thir- standard of just being like wanting to touch it. The thirteen-year-old like Mormon boy version of like yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Arrested Development stuck in my fourteen-year-old self for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> right. All right, Dennis. Sorry, Dennis. Dennis picks up another skimpy outfit from the pile on the chair next to him. Yeah, try this one next. <laughs> He's intentionally giving her things that won't work, right, right, yeah. right, so he can right. touch her and tell her why it doesn't work. Right. So Sydney, Sydney steps and tries inside. Sydney the steps room. inside the dressing room. So it's all about image appearance. How am I supposed to talk? 
just uh, giggle a lot, pretend to be naive, <laughs> embarrassed by things, hit guys in the arm from time to time. When you talk to them, say, no way. I can do that. I've been doing that this whole time. <laughs> and every other word has to be totally. And every other conversation has to be about marriage, how many kids you want to have. Every once in a while, you have to throw in an eternal perspective. Cindy comes out of the dressing room with another skimpy outfit that shows off her amazing body. Dennis <laughs> sucks in some air at the sight. Suck it in. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's that? Because I'm so naive and stupid. You're right. <laughs> just, just, just a second. Just a <laughs> No, but the, the what that is in reference to eternal perspective. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Not right. him sucking in air. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Something you say to make you seem really deep and spiritual, like, it all makes sense in the eternal perspective. Spin around. <laughs> Sydney models Dennis Ogles. <laughs> yeah. You know, this won't work either. You got an amazing body. You really do. But no Mormon guy wants to see that. Not that he'll admit anyway. And you, you'll be hated by the other girls. You got to cover up. He reaches for another skimpy outfit. Yeah, try this. Sydney steps into the dressing room again. How stupid is Sydney? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> as stupid as Glenn needs her to be. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So this is good? What else? What else can I do for you, man? I'm yeah. a woman. <laughs> I'm just a silly, stupid girl. Uh-huh. Well, I can only imagine how difficult it must be for you to control yourself around me. Yet somehow I manage. Sydney reemerges. She looks absolutely stunning. Enough skin to possibly make this the first PG-13 Mormon flick ever. Did I really oh write that? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Wow. Dennis He's excited does... about casting this role. <laughs> <laughs> so Dennis does all he can to maintain his cool, which clearly he has maintained this entire time. Spin that out. <laughs> she spins. <laughs> <laughs> That's from Some Like It Hot. Well, here's another gem for you. I got this one in seminary. When you're with a guy and you start to get those feelings that you start feeling but you shouldn't be feeling, you know, those feelings that I mean? Yeah, I know. Well, just picture yourself all chopped up in little pieces. Gross. Exactly. Imagine that you're just a bunch of chopped up little pieces. Try to adding some worms. It works every time because you don't ever want to let that camel stick his foot <laughs> whoa, in whoa. the door. <laughs> In the door. Where are you, Randy, now? I know, exactly. Because the next thing, he puts his his leg and then his other leg and then his head and then his shoulders. And before you know it, he's all the way inside the tent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, all the way inside the tent, and you're stuck outside in the scorching sun, just a bloody pile of pushed out, chopped up, worm infested body bits rotting away in the desert sun while, while a camel has pushed his way all the way inside your tent. You guys are totally what? sick. I think you're starting to get it. Did you guys never hear that camel story? The camel in the tent? Yeah. It was just a weird like moment yeah, think, to choose yeah. to do that just because it was ta- he was talking about her physical yeah. appearance, right? Her body, like a, sexual desire, and yeah, then it's like right camel in the, in the tent. tent. Yeah. Doesn't that fit Dennis's character? Uh, I mean, what I'm going to defend that choice. Tantra. So do you yeah. think that he knowingly said the camel tent thing no, is a sexual reference? Glenn knowingly said it. Okay. I don't think Glenn did. I think he's just realizing it now. <laughs> yeah, me too. The, the Dennis line that comes out, like, just comes out of left field is, well, just picture yourself all chopped up into little pieces. I mean, what the fuck? 
<laughs> Did that come from? I've never heard of that. Oh, I heard that one. Oh, wow. Yeah. All yeah. right. Mm. All right. Okay, yeah. we're in, we're okay. Missionary apartment. Adams holds a small suitcase and stands near the door, munching on sunflower seeds and spitting out the shells. This will this will come up a little bit later on in a Hansel and Gretel type thing. Moore puts the finishing wait. touches on four different letters and seals them into four separate envelopes. Okay, I know we're not supposed to leave the mission boundaries, but the way I see it. As long as we're spending the as as long as we're spreading the gospel along the way, we're not really doing anything wrong. God is God over the entire earth, right? Scott's Adam. not back yet. Oh, how long has he been gone? Okay, gotta take a big dump. Five minutes. Okay, I'll I'll do it. Probably even beyond. <laughs> I kind of like your Adams better. <laughs> exactly, Elder. We just have to keep working for those baptisms. So you with me? Adam stares at him blankly. Moore holds up the four letters. This is the key to our success. Four weeks worth of letters to the president. We give these to our landlady, ask her to mail them in each <laughs> We ask her to mail them in for each for us each week. The president reads them, sees that everything is going well, and no one will be the wiser. We good to go? A knock at the door. That must be her now. Adams opens the door. A Mexican landlady stands at the door. When Spanish is spoken, subtitles appear at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Por qué es? Which is what do you want? Housekeeping! <laughs> right. <laughs> Just read the English. Mia bonita, señorita. Okay. Okay. My lovely woman, I wish to entrust... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> English with a Spanish accent. Let's see if Tom can make it through this. Okay. I wish to entrust. I wish to entrust to your care the maintenance of, uh, of these four letters. Mail them for us while we are gone. Four weeks we will leave. Four weeks we will be living once each every week. We trust. <laughs> we trust in you to serve. Do you understand, Port for War? Yes, yes. You Mormon boys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Muchas gracias. Okay, let's roll. Uh, inside the car, Sydney and Dennis drive to the airport. So here's the plan. I'm a flight attendant. Now we're talking. Don't get any ideas. I checked the flight load to Salt Lake, and there's no way I can get you on with a buddy pass, but I have another idea. Now I'll agree to bring you with me, but only if you promise to keep giving me these lessons. When I get there, I want to be Mormon. Totally want to be a Mormon. Work on that. So what exactly is this idea of yours? In the airport. So, wait, quick question. When she went to the airport, did she have to check in her camel toe? <laughs> oh, <laughs> ooh, Nelly. That came from Tom. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to sigh for him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. I totally deserve that. Yeah. Okay. In the airport, Sydney stands outside of a man's bathroom. She's dressed in her flight attendant uniform and looks down at her watch and across at the security checkpoint where inspectors are laying passengers flat on their backs to be run through a full-body X-ray machine. Okay, this is a little over the top. At the end of the machine, a security inspector helps a businessman onto his feet and holds up the man's X-ray. <laughs> I remember when I had this idea. 
Oh my gosh. We just moved into science fiction, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're free to proceed to your gate, Mr. Johnson. He points to a white spot on the x-ray near Mr. Johnson's lungs. You might want to get this checked out on arrival. Oh, he's diagnosing uh, uh, lesions in the lungs. Yeah, I thought that was a really funny idea when I thought of it. It doesn't fit at all. No. I was for like a Hot Wheels car in the rectum area. Yeah. <laughs> Next that time. would have been funnier. Next time. Uh, Sydney looks again at her watch. Dennis comes out of the bathroom dressed as a flamboyant male flight attendant. A bandana is tied around his neck. <laughs> Sorry, John. And his shirt is tied up at the mid. <laughs> so is this your like gay caricature? I, yeah, I, exactly. So this is so you're not, you're not just you. Did, I'm not, not just, just a the ladies yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's I, an I, equal opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. worked for United Airlines for six years, so I've got all this like uh, uh, airline so stuff okay, going then. on here. No, yeah. no, it's just the bias that's coming are there, through. Are there black people in this? In this <laughs> yeah. Yo, what's up, bro? <laughs> there was a black sheep. There was a black sheep. Yeah, there yeah. was a black sheep. Yeah, how many stereotypes are you going to roll out in this thing? Just the Mexicans. Let's go. <laughs> what are you doing? Just want to make it look believable, honey. You're so going to get us caught. Totally. You've got to practice that. I'm totally going to get us caught. Here, it's the best I could do. Sydney hands Dennis the security card of a funny-looking, obviously flamboyant male flight attendant named Randy High, which was the name of somebody I worked with. Dennis mimics the flamboyant expression. Oh, don't I look fabulous? In the boarding area, Dennis and Sydney oh approach my God, the this boarding is so area. <laughs> it's really bad. Catherine, a good-looking flight attendant, greets him at the gate. Dennis is clearly attracted to her but does his best to maintain his flamboyant persona. Hi, At least I didn't you say he was same-sex attracted. <laughs> it wasn't invented then. Flamboyant he's not, he's not, he's not, he's <laughs> not same-sex attracted to her. She is a girl. No, no, no. no. I, I called him a, fa- a flamboyant persona instead of a same-sex attracted fl- persona. Never mind. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Hi, sweetie. We'd like a jump start. <laughs> At least now she's from still, Jersey. At least, at least he's still from yeah the New York area. <laughs> that was totally Jersey. Yeah. You garbage. You garbage. <laughs> Excuse me. He means jump seat. It's just his little joke. Oh great, we're shorthanded on this flight anyway. Do you mind helping out? Your every wish is my command. I'll keep that in mind. Catherine enters the plane. Dennis spins on his heels to follow. Sydney walks up beside him. You're totally going to get us caught. Dennis sets his sights on Catherine. Get down, girlfriend. I'm working. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Jensen home at night. Remember the Jensen family? They're sitting around a huge dinner table. Well, Jack, we're very happy to have you with us. Before we eat, we would like to offer a blessing on the food, something you may be familiar with as grace. This isn't going to be one of those meet-the-parents things where you ask me to pray, is it? No, we would never do that. We want the blessing to actually take. Oh, Jane. But we do ask that you join us for prayer. Joseph, will you do us the honor? Yes, Dad. They all bow their heads and close their eyes. Jack follows suit. Number 47. Amen. Amen. Jack looks around, perplexed. Some of the younger Jensen children have difficulty stifling their smiles. You see, Jack, we have so many different prayers in our family, we just decided to number them to save time. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) Rarely. 
They all laugh. Jack <laughs> chuckles along with <laughs> Jack chuckles along with them, although he clearly does not know what's so funny. No. All right, family, let's do it for real. Joseph? They all close their eyes and bow their heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for the food. Bless the Lord and nourish and strengthen our bodies and do us the good that we need. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I guess that means a little more than 47. What was that, dear? Nothing. Jack scoops out a big spoon of casserole. Janice hands him a dish of funny-looking green jello salad. Have some jello, Jack. <laughs> what? What? What's in it? Everything. <laughs> so, let's play the high-low game. Jenna, we'll start with you. What was your high today? <laughs> I lost my tooth, and I'm going to get some money tonight. Thank you, Jonas. <laughs> but it's not your friend. Sorry. My wife just walked in right at that line, and she just busted out laughing. <laughs> no context or anything. <laughs> And what was your low? When they broke the heads off my Barbie. Oh, oh, I'll go check the desserts. Yeah, see, this this is like <laughs> my ex-wife would force dinner conversation by, let's do our highs and lows. What was your high for the day? What was your low for the yeah. day? So this was my way of like putting that under a microscope and going, I hate that. But anyway. <laughs> it doesn't come off like a critique, though. I, I had to be careful. You know, uh, so Janice rises and exits. Good. James, what about you? Well, it was weird, Dad. In seminary, we read a scripture that said wickedness never was happiness. That's right. It isn't. When I was reading later, I saw one that said that the Lord will not always allow the wicked to take happiness in their sins. So which one is it? Long pause. <laughs> so this is this is Glenn contemplating <laughs> contradictions. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, hey, twenty plot holes in the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Yeah. Of Glenn. Down. So uh, the doorbell rings. Two missionaries enter: Elder Fry, a skinny California boy, and Elder Hale, a big Samoan. Okay. Oh wow! I don't know. How to... <laughs> I hope we're not late. Over on Lord. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Somebody give me a Samoan. I should have had Matt do that. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope we're not late. Dad, what are they doing here? I just thought it would be nice to have them over. Yeah, I know exactly what you thought. Jack, this is Elder Fry and Elder Halle. Hail. Oh, he was Samoan. That's how he said it. That's great. That's priceless. That's absolutely right. Good thing we're not in the South, eh, Sister Jensen? I inhale. Unfortunate pair. I can't. <laughs> it's just terrible. <laughs> Unfortunate pairing of names, but yes, we actually try to keep people from frying in hell. I, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you should see what I was aiming for. Different there. Yeah. 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 Uh, just, Janice, kind of, <laughs> go ahead. Janice wheels in a tray of a half a dozen different desserts. I'm sorry. This is all I could do in such in so short a time. Help yourselves, elders. Jill has the missionary right now, don't you, Jill? Not anymore. Thank you, Mom. You aren't going to marry Jared now. 
please, Jenna. Oh, that's quite all right. I have a girlfriend back home myself. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about a conversation stopper. I all eyes look at Jack. Well, ex-girlfriend, really. Could you pass the potatoes? (laughs) So, what does your ex-girlfriend do? (laughs) What doesn't she do? Cam in the tent, baby. Oh, don't worry. She's not one of those. I mean, she could actually be. I mean, she could be, actually, for all I know. They do have quite a reputation, don't they? See, I I, I don't know why I was playing with this flight attendants are all whores thing. I don't know. I had it in my mind. Sluts. Just nothing but sluts. Gay whores. Gay whores. Male or women. Male or female. How to get a layover with your flight attendant. Yeah. Right. My buddy ran into one in Cincinnati once. A real tiger. I could tell you some stories that would... Jack notices that all the Jensens are gaping at him. I did Jensens with apostrophe S. Leslie and Joseph are smiling. Sorry, she's furloughed now, actually. Flight attendants, you know. Janice used to be a flight attendant, didn't you, dear? What? <laughs> <laughs> She's a whore. Years ago, those were the days. <laughs> it reminds me of Catch Me If You Can. All the yeah, right. I hope, I hope. I hope you're. I hope you're getting um, uh, money, endorsement money for this. Ah, did you fly Delta? Morris Delta? Air until they were bought out by Southwest. They tried to make her wear shorts. In the world, but not of the world. Sometimes you have to draw the line. And then have sex. Jesus. I, <laughs> Wait, I, who's Leslie? I see. One of the daughters. She's the, the, she's the oldest daughter. She's the black sheep. Yeah, before she's they decided like, on the, the J, J names. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's before they came up with the J thing. Can you move your camera down, Matt, so we don't just see the top of your head? <laughs> we'll just see Chris, Kristen walk by every now and then. Have some more jello. So, elders... Have you met Jill's friend from New York? Boyfriend, dad. Jack is interested in learning more about the church. Aren't you, Jack? No, he's not. Well, he's interested in you, isn't he? Elder Hale pulls up a chair and sits right in Jack's face. He pulls out a manual and begins to read. You know, Jack, like many other people, we believe in God. Oh, I remember that line. <laughs> oh, that's like the first line of the first the part first of the first, of the first discussion. discussion. Yeah. That's how you say that in Korean. Same in same Bulgarian, I can never forget it. It's just like the first thing you learn is in the MTC. Yeah. That line. In, in English it's most people believe in a supreme being. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, well, how's the rest of your real people... mission, Randy? <laughs> yeah, not Tempe, fucking Arizona. <laughs> it's, your uh, line. it's your line, Randy. Uh, you can't take this. I can't take this. Uh, in the bedroom, Jack enters holding a blanket and a pillow. Janice guides uh, Jonas to his bed and points to a spare bed in the corner. You can sleep in here with Jonas. Take the spare bed by the window. Uh, thanks. Jonas picks a little tooth fairy pillow from the bed. It's camouflaged with spiders and fire trucks patches all over it, and a somewhat girly-looking barefooted tooth fairy in the middle of the pillow with a wand pointing to a pouch for lost teeth. (laughs) A lot of details about the tooth fairy pillow. What's this? It's your tooth fairy pillow. I don't want it. 
But I made it with camouflage like you wanted. I don't want it. But I put on the spiders and the fire trucks like you asked. Look at that tooth fairy. That's not my tooth fairy. My tooth fairy wears boots. <laughs> chuckles as he spreads the blanket across the spare bed. Uh, his, his tooth fairy is is like uh, Butch. Well, I don't. That was an actual exchange that came from somewhere. I don't know that. I don't remember where, but that was word for word. All right, time for prayers. Jonas kneels down. Jack, unsure how to respond, simply stands there and watches. Heavenly Father, thank you for my day today, and thank you that I lost a tooth and that I get to get some money, even though I have to use this dumb pillow. And thank you that Jill's famous friend could visit, and thank you he could sleep in my room. Bless him to have fun here. Jack smiles. <laughs> in the name of Christ, amen. <sighs> you really, you really have a, a strong feelings about prayer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think what I'm doing with these road these road prayers, yeah, yeah, are, I, yeah, right. or just really like self-serving prayers, yeah, uh, yeah. and really trivial prayers, yeah, yeah. Um, just get it done, yeah. No, that's number that's forty-two. Crazy. Well, that was that was a, a joke because I was doing my dissertation on Mormon humor, and that was one of the jokes that was in the. The, the collection that I had, so I put it in there. Uh, so in, in the Jensen kitchen, it's the next morning. Jerry wears reading glasses and sits alone at the table. He's reading through a thick script. Jack and Jill enter. Jack sits. Jill pours him a bowl of cereal. Hang on. I'll be right back. Why would anybody watch this this far? I don't know. It's really... Jill... <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, why would anyone listen to it? Yeah, right? No. Uh, yeah, the thing is, though, Glenn, you, you're offending all of the believers, and you're boring all of the non-believers. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, this is the perfect illustration of what Jesus meant when he was talking about lukewarm. You know, get, get yeah. off of the fence, be one or the other. You know, uh, th- this is what happens when Anam writes a script. About Mormons. <laughs> so Jill kisses Jack on the top of his head and exits. Jenna enters and sits across from Jack. Jerry looks up from his reading. Ah, Jack, my boy. Just the man I was hoping to see. I trust you had a good sleep. Uh, oh, a, a great sleep. Thanks. Well, I have some terrific news for you. I think you're going to be absolutely thrilled. What is it? Every year I put on a special Christmas play for our local stake. That's a big unit of several different Mormon congregations. Something you might know as a diocese. So I put on this play every year, and it's a musical, actually. I write it, and I direct it, and I produce it, and yes, I star in it, too. Been doing it for years. The whole family has. It's a big hit, actually. Everyone says so. It's their opinion. Well, since you are sharing Christmas with the Jensen family this year, I'd like you to be involved. Uh, What type of play is it? It's a nativity play. Jack, you are familiar with the story of the birth of Jesus Christ? Sure. New star, manger, wise men, I know it. That's right. Very good, Jack. But there's more to that story than I think you know. He came to America. Well, yes, eventually he did. But, Jack, did you know that the birth of Christ was revealed to prophets hundreds of years before it actually happened? Prophets right here on this American continent. Right here? Well, maybe not exactly here, but somewhere on the American continent, somewhere down in Mexico, probably. Jerry nods to Jenna, who nods to someone in the other room, who on cue tosses a Book of Mormon to Jenna. 
She hands it to Jerry. It's true. That's what we learned from the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. Okay. Jill enters and sees Jerry holding the Book of Mormon out to Jack. Dad, what are you doing? This book tells of a group of Israelites who left Jerusalem in 600 B.C. They came to the American continent, their promised land, and became a mighty people before God. Dad, is, is this really the time? And our Christmas play tells the story of the first Christmas among these people in America. Tell him about Joseph Smith. Tell him, tell him. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Bob. I like no. that one. Like. No, don't. Look. What is this about? Your dad wants me to be in his play. You can't be serious. No, it's okay. I'll do it. Fantastic. I just have the part in mind. I just need to write it in for you, and we'll be good to go in no time. Hopefully it's Jesus. Write Jesus in this play. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You'll be safe. I don't, I don't know about this. Trust me, honey. I've given this a lot of thought. You'll absolutely love it. He's given it a lot of thought. Okay. We're back in Mexico. <laughs> no, uh, no, I forgot about Mexico. Yeah. No. Moore and Adams wait at a real bus stop. Uh, Moore silently rehearses his missionary discussions. Adams stares off blankly into the distance, deep in thought. He munches on his sunflower seeds once again, playing with the shells in his teeth and spitting them to the ground. Mormon. Mo. Mo. Mormon Mowerman. What are you doing? Mo Mo. You know, that's what they should call Salt Lake. What's that? Motown. <laughs> what? Temple marriage should be monogamy. Uh-huh. And Motel, one of those bishops interviews, the thing where you just confess everything. This is where Elder Moore puts a gun in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, this is, Adams, Adams is a very different dude, like kind of before. Yeah, right. Yeah, Adams and, right. and now he's like just doing these just weird wordplay. Yeah. It's total non sequitur. Yeah. One doesn't have anything to do with the other. No. It's really messing up my method acting, yeah, too. Right. <laughs> oh, that, that's where you, you went. Been... Scott was gone for a while. He had to go to 7 and get some sunflower seeds. Adam, Daniel yeah. Day Rowley. Yeah. Adams has really been four different people. He's been recasted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the bus comes, the bus driver scowls at them. They get on and take a seat. Mo, Mo. Mormon girls could be like Mo lasses. You could talk about the 2000 Winter Mo Olympics. You stop it already. Look at that guy over there. A big, mean-looking Mexican guy. Of course. <laughs> sure. sits, look at that Mexican one. Did you even, uh, he sits with a cage of chickens on his lap. Come on. That's, that go. really happens in movies. I think he's the yeah. one. Just remember, as long as we're teaching, we're golden. All right? I'm going in. Moses. Can I do anything with Moses? Morality. Hello. I'm Elder Moore, and this is my companion, Les. We're here to teach you about the true and living gospel. Then one of us can baptize you. Whichever you want, more or less. Oh, <laughs> Dude, this is bad. <laughs> Real bad. More gives a faint smile. He gets a scowl in return. Uh, what about and- the Mexican? I don't think that joke could work in Espanol. 
Hola, yo soy, yo soy más y mi amigo menos. ¿Más o menos? Más o menos. Okay, so we're in the car uh, with Jack and Jill. Jill drives, Jack's sitting next to her. They're dressed in their Sunday best. So, you sure you're okay about coming to church? You don't have to, you know. Well, it's been a while, actually. But it's a good time of year for it. Besides, I can tell your family really wants me to go. I'd feel kind of weird if I didn't. Well, I, I love that we can see John's face when he reads the role. Like, he's totally picked up on, Jack is just a cool, easygoing, whatever guy, you know? Yeah, whatever. Hey, I'm cool, man. I'm cool. Unlike you Mormons, I'm cool. Well, it will be good for people to get a chance to meet you. I know Dad is going to want to bring you to rehearsals this week. Right. So what is this play about, anyway? The first Christmas in America? What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> it's... Crazy bullshit. Uh, sorry. <laughs> well, you know how we have the Book of Mormon? It tells the story of a group of Israelites who left Jerusalem 600 years before Christ. God led them across the sea into the Americas where they grew and had prophets like in the Old Testament. The crowning point of the Book of Mormon is when Christ visits them in the Americas after the resurrection. Man, this line. Okay. <laughs> So wouldn't that be the story of the first Easter in America? I'm really thinking about that kind of thing, considering I'm a real Christian over yeah, here. Right. I got you Mormons. I've yeah. been really thinking about this stuff. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> first Easter in America? Well, it's not about when he actually visits. It's about the signs of his birth in Bethlehem and how the people over here reacted to it. Mm. Why is it called the Book of Mormon? <laughs> it's the name of the guy who put all the records together. Like a thousand years after the first group came over, they split in two main groups, the Nephites and the Lamanites. The followers of Nephi, who were generally righteous, and the followers of Laman, who were generally not. <laughs> generally not. <laughs> I can hear I can hear that nom language making it into generally righteous, generally not. Like, the way that you're describing... You're really converting everyone here. Right, oh, yeah. The way you're describing the Book of Mormon is, like, definitely in those, oh, this is my progressive, like, nuanced thing. Not all the Lamanites are bad. <laughs> not all the Native Americans yeah. are evil. Yeah, generally. <laughs> they weren't all loathsome. All right. They were generally dark somewhere. Where should I pick up? They, they had a lot of history between them. Yeah, that's right where I started cackling. All right. <clears throat> they had a lot of history between them and Mormon. <laughs> Stop. Who's laughing? Who's laughing? They had a lot of history between them and Mormon compiled it all into one record. Mormon compiled it into all one record. This is like oh. it's just the questions that J that Jack's asking at this point. Are like, well, how can Shamwell help me in my right. research? Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would this new skin give you a really vibrant sheen? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, don't forget about Nani juice. Yeah. All right. 
More, man. It's always sounded so strange to me, like Quakers or Mennonites or something. Well, we are pretty strange. Maybe, but strange isn't always bad. Aw. He's still wanting, hoping to get some. Um, <laughs> inside the foyer. Uh in a, swarm of, of foyer. in a swarm of social activity, Jill shakes people's hands and introduces them to Jack. Jack observes the whole meet and greet with amused bewilderment. Hello, Brother Begley. This is Jack Harding. He's visiting from New York. He's doing Dad's play with us. Brother Begley gives Jack a firm handshake. Brother Harding, Brother Begley, very good to meet you. Brother Begley grabs a man in the crowd by uh, the arm. Brother Bear, have you met Brother Harding? He's, vid- he's visiting Sister Jensen from New York. He's doing Brother Jensen's play with us. Brother Bear gives Jack a firm handshake. Brother Begley nods approvingly. Brother Harding, Brother Bear, Sister Jensen. Brother Bear grabs a passing woman by the arm. Sister, sister, say hello to Brother Harding. He's doing Brother Jensen's play with us. He's visiting from New York. Sister, sister shakes Jack's hand as vigorously as the men. Brother Harding. Did, did sister, sister? I don't know. This is stupid. This is stupid. <laughs> I'm hoping this is the low point, the lowest point. It's, it's, yeah, it's going to pick up from here. Dude, yeah. we're digging now. <laughs> sister, uh, you know, sister. She pulls a man over by the arm. This is my husband. Brother, sister. (laughs) I don't know if it's just that I'm punch drunk or what. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Okay, so... Jack sits on the outside of the bench. Jill sit, uh, sits next to him holding his hand. The bishop, and, and I'm going to request kind of an Oaks-type voice for the bishop here, Bob. The bishop stands at the podium before the con- congregation. Please indicate by the raise of the right hand. <laughs> <laughs> now it's picked up. That's, that's how you get out of a hole. I can never get enough of Bob's oats, man. <laughs> the congregation raises their hands in unison. Jack looks perplexed. Please indicate by the appropriate sign. The congregation again raises their hand, right hands in unison. Jack looks around timidly. Please indicate. <laughs> the congregation raises their hand in unison. Jack halfway sticks his hand up in the air. Any opposed by the same sign. Quite expecting to be part of the crowd this time, Jack raises his hand high in the air. It's a sight gag for Mormons, you see. He's the only one. All eyes turn towards him, embarrassed. He smiles and sinks lower into the seat. Oh, how embarrassing. The congregation sings the church hymn. Jack holds the hymn book with Jill and does his best to keep up. And then upon the cross he meekly died, but dying brought new birth, blah, blah, blah. The song ends and everyone in the congregation bows their head. In unison, Jack looks around confused, so confused. His eyes dart up to the front of the chapel as he hears the deafening feedback from a microphone and the thump of it bumping against someone's <laughs> leg. A young 16-year-old priest, thanks, Bob, kneels at the side like- table and begins the blessing. Oh God, the eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread to the souls of all those who drink it, of it. Oh, Pause. God. Jack opens his eyes and looks around. The priest begins again. Oh God, the eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread to the souls of all those who partake of it, that they may drink it in yeah, see, he keeps saying drink. Did you think? Did you think? I mean, did you think this was gonna make it into make a movie? it? 
This yeah. was for me, dude. <laughs> what? It was just for me. Hey, I, I, this whole sequence, I would love to see a depiction of this because there's, yeah. I mean, the, the, like the cloud of awkwardness oh, when so somebody awkward. has to do it over and over and over. I would love to see this. Thank you, Jake. Uh, people in the congregation are chuckling. The priest begins again. Oh, God, the Eternal Father, we ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this water to the salt of all those who partake of it, that they may... Oh, God, the Eternal Father... And then we cut to another scene. That they may always witness unto them. Oh, God, the eternal. Cut to. I'm already awkward. They may keep his commandments to to be with them always. (laughs) (laughs) This actually could work. I'm the the eternal. Cut uh, to. One nation under God, indivisible. <laughs> Cut to always be with them. Amen. <laughs> See, that was a good scene. I that freaking love that, that scene. Was good. Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't patient to get to the punchline. That was pretty good. All right. The embarrassed priest looks up at the bishop for approval. The bishop nods. Uh, instead, to two young adult leaders in the back, they approach the sacrament table, take the priest by each arm, and escort him from the room. <laughs> the bishop nods again to the priest advisor, who nods back. Jack, Jack looks utterly confused. I have them escorted from the awesome. room. Okay. The deacon stands beside Jack, who has his head down. The deacon places the nearly empty bread tray in front of him. Jack lifts his head, pulls a dollar bill from his wallet, and places it in the tray. This this, this, this happened once in uh, somebody visiting my ward that put that in there. Anyway. Jack, we don't do that here. What? No pass-along trays. Joseph leans over Jill and hands Jack a small card with a picture of golden plates on it. Only pass along cards. Jerry leans over Joseph and whispers to Jack. This is what we call the sacrament, what you might know as communion. (laughs) Only members of the church who have been baptized partake. You don't need to do it yet. Yet. (laughs) He's he's building on common beliefs. Uh, Jack turns around to take. Yeah, he is. You're right. Hey, he turns around to take the dollar back in the tray, but sees that it's gone. He looks on the ground, then up at the face of the deacon, who's looking around, biting his bottom lip as if to say, dollar? What dollar? Okay. All right. Thief. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to... Since we're just one week away from the beloved birth of our most beloved and loving Savior, Jesus Christ, I thought this would be an excellent opportunity to invite those of you who feel moved upon by the Spirit, to come forward and share your testimonies with the congregation. Leslie and Jill you know, exchange wait, a word no, of I'm luck. sorry. It's just so awesome to see Bob's face when he does, <laughs> he does the oath. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like it's all the pretentiousness and like pompousness that I imagine that, that that's going on like when I hear it, but I get to see it at the same time. It's and, and I want to perfect my cadence and pompous to match. Like it felt like only eighty percent Oaks. But. <laughs> hey, you're, well, you're, it was you're only good. one take. Yeah. Okay, so Leslie and Jill are worried that they're going to testimonies. Oh no! A sci-fi guy with oversized glasses stands behind the podium. The guy from The Simpsons? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, it is also true for Star Wars in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Good job. Oh, comic book Sorry. guy. 
Yeah. <laughs> episode ever. Who, who has a master's degree in folklore, by the way. <laughs> that, they, they wrote that into the they Simpsons. Wrote that in. Yes. <laughs> okay, who's right, sci-fi guys? Tom is. And it's also true for Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi, Gandalf. You know it's also evident. The ring is like our souls and the force. I mean, come on, light side, dark side. It's got to be true. In Tom's face nice. when he talks. <laughs> uh, you misspelled Gandalf. How did you misspell Gandalf? Oh, sorry. Is it is it an A instead of an O? As you yeah. say, so right. It's even sorry. spell correct. Okay. Uh, an earnest woman stands behind the podium. Be careful what you wish for. I recently went to my husband's softball game and I noticed he was stuck on the bench. He was miserable. So I bowed my head and I said, Lord, please bless him that he'll get into the game. No sooner did I say amen than the batter hit on out to left field. He rounded the first with all his might and slid right into the second baseman, breaking his leg in three places. (laughs) It was all twisted and gangly like this. You sound like an Irish immigrant woman. <laughs> That's what he's doing. He's doing kind, of a Boston, kind of a Irish Boston hybrid. Well, my husband was able to come in and replace him. But I felt awful for what I had done. So, brothers and sisters, be careful what you wish for. Pray for. He, he, never, for. That's the he said wish it, every time. He said wish every time pray. he saw pray. And they'll never take away our freedom. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a real talk I heard once. Uh, mixed expressions from the congregation. Some give blank stares. Some are teary-eyed. Heads nodding. One guy's asleep and drooling. Cut to a teenage cheer girl stands behind the podium. So, like, I was in Tokyo for the Junior World Championships of Cheer, and we totally won. And I was, like, totally hungry. And so I'm like, I'm not eating raw fish. So I saw this McDonald's, and I went in and looked at the menu, and the table's in the picture of Ronald with his arms outstretched. And I was, I was so... She gets teary and grabs several handkerchiefs from the Kleenex box in front of her. Her tissues. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I promised myself I would do that. I was so totally struck by how similar the McDonald's in Tokyo was to the ones we had right here in America. And when we came home through Hawaii, the McDonald's was the same there too, even at the airport. And I thought, in an eternal perspective, it's just like the church. It's just so the same everywhere you go. And it's just so true, so true. Wow, there Wait, it is. So, the, so the, these are these are the these are the cutting edge uh, 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 <laughs> criticisms of Mormon yeah. of, of Mormon uh, you know society or culture that you're making, right, Glenn? Yeah. It's like it's all like McDonald's, like right. ooh, like this is your yeah. edgy, right? Edginess. This is my edginess, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which again came from like a real experience that that uh, uh, people saying that um, cut to uh, a recently returned missionary standing behind the podium. Who's a returned missionary? Did I not get? I might not have given that one. It's Glenn. All right, Glenn. 
I, one thing that is so important <laughs> is that we don't judge other people. Like this guy I know, he's Lutheran, and he's so judgmental. I try to set a good example for him, show him to be right when he's wrong, but he's just so judgmental. Everything is black and white for him. He's never going to change. Arr, mate. Got to he find went, him. Tree. He went on the high seas mission. Yeah. Cut to a skinny, deranged man with huge white eyes and overalls. Standing behind the podium, he stares methodically at every face in the congregation. The bishop and his two counselors sit beside him with very nervous looks on their faces. Who's the deranged man? Is that me? It's John. Buy boats! I've seen the days ahead. An angel showed me in a dream. This world is ten times more wickeder than in all them days of Noah. Buy boats! Everyone, buy boats! There's a little Elder Jensen in there. Uh, And then cut to... And I know... It's true. I know it's true. I know. I know. I know. With every fiber of my being beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's true. Oh, Glenn. So this is like your like punch, like your little jab at uh, how Mormons know. Certainty. Your feelings. Yeah. Right. Right. Because certainty isn't epistemologically, certainty is an emotion. It's not rational. And it seems like you're kind of like instinctively coming a, coming to an awareness of this. Oh, I was very, very aware <laughs> and very critical of it, but also kind of critical of myself being so critical, you know, which is why the returned missionary was pointing fingers at the Lutheran where one was point, pointing at the Lutheran right. and the other four pointing back at himself, you know. So that that was my own recognition that I'm being very judgmental of the culture that i think is very judgmental you know so you know it it was just it was all that it was a lot of things that were in there that i was just critiquing and the the i know i mean so here's here's a story and we can end on this my my ex-wife at one point used to commiserate with me on this because we both hated the, the that certainty that language of i know i know and she actually got up and gave a testimony once where she said, you know, I, I don't know. And I don't think that any of you do either. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like people say that they know and I just don't That's believe it. them. You know, it was really brazen. Mm-hmm. And the bishop pulled me into his office afterwards. Not her, you. Me. Of course. Yeah. yeah right. get, a, get a hold of your woman. Yeah. Right. Well, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't so much that he was telling me to get her under control, that he was afraid that I was being a bad influence on her. And told me that, uh, you know, people that approach the church the way that I do with questions, because I was, th- this is in my Nate Sharp, Aggieland Smackdown author, you know, mode. I could have been him at this point, kind of, except I was much more critical of the church than he, he appeared to be. But Way um, more. Yeah. But um, he said, you've got to be careful because not everybody's able to carry the weight of doubt like you do. And so it's really just a lonely life. You're just really looking at a very lonely life in the church where you need to keep quiet. So you don't uh, keep other people down. So, wow. That's kind of a, no, but it makes you, it sort of made you feel special though, right? Like it's not everyone's like you, Glenn, you, (laughs) you can handle these things, but uh, just know that you have to keep it inside your secret power. Yeah. Right. No, no, it, it was. It was. It was like a, a very uh, manipulative way of putting putting me in my place, kind of. 
and yeah. making me feel like that place was special. Well, and also was pretty pragmatic. You know, he was. It was almost like he was intuiting uh, a way to help you survive and navigate this world with the with your your nature. Yeah. So we can we can pick up here another time. But but this next scene is when Matt the Terminator is set after the. You know, on the trail. So anyway, we'll we'll, cool. we'll get to it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? Is this even going to be interesting for people to listen to, or is it not? Well, well what are we going to do? Mean, with I, this? Are we going to publish? I mean, we're not going to publish this. <laughs> <laughs> I think that answers the question. Scott, man, that was mean. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm just. What format? I mean, what? what so, what did you want to do with? What do you want to do with? I it? wanted to to be a SmackDown. Where we're okay. like, where we're smacking down this. Well, we this is. I mean, the thing been, is, right? Yeah, yeah. We we have been. I mean, That's the fact fine. of the matter is that this is going to take four hours. Yeah. Yeah. This is a two-part recording session for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's Unless we all just record our parts separately and you mix them. No, 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 because no, 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 then no. it's not a smackdown if you don't. It right. Be funny no, at all. It, it has it has to like have all of the commentary. Okay. So but, my, my question is this. Okay, so with with smackdowns. Traditionally, they've been most effective when they've been on a common text, on a text that people are familiar with. So if we're doing a SmackDown on an unknown text, a text that nobody's familiar with, I mean, are you planning on publishing this at the same time? No. It's not, I don't think it – we shouldn't be thinking of it as SmackDown, but rather but the point okay. of it is, is we're not performing it. This is why actually I, I didn't wasn't able to use the – like the Battlestar and Fantica thing because I actually thought actually if we do the live reading, then you could – we could make fun of it while we're taught where we're doing it. Whereas if you just record your own part, we, we can't. Right. So. Right. right. Yeah. And, and to me, like what the, the, the appeal of it is that we're not just smacking down other people's stuff, but we'll smack down ourselves and we can smack down something that I wrote 12 years ago when I still had one foot in and one foot out. And, that is clearly really, really bad. And you can see, like, like to, to me, it's interesting to look back at this and to, to get back in that mindset and go, holy cow. Yeah. Like, okay. like I inhabited that. that. So then that's fine. So, so that's a different concept than what I was thinking that we were, than what I was thinking that we were doing. Okay. So what were okay. you thinking? Okay. I just thought we were, I thought we were reading it and then I didn't know what the purpose of, of, uh reading it was i didn't yeah. know I, I didn't have that vision in mind for no it, so. yeah i mean like for for me I, I i remembered that scene in the office when they found michael scarn's screenplay right, and they like right. pulled it out and they're just like just right. skewering it and i thought oh man i've got something that we could do that with that is very mormon you know but it, it's like my way of trying to uh critique mormonism at the time you know, so you see, like, Correct. all these little, like, really okay. mild critiques that aren't right. real critiques, you know, like, the, baby step, toe in the water yeah, critiques. Basically, basically, cultural critiques right. is, is right. what I see. Uh, like, where were you? I mean, if, just just for, give me, like, a 15-second summary of, of where you think you were at that time, as far as belief in the Book of Mormon, Book of Abraham. Um, that, that stuff hadn't really crossed my radar yet. Like, like, uh, so I, I totally still was in the, yeah, these are legit, you know, it, it, like I hadn't even questioned them yet. So you just really kind of, uh, graded against, uh, the cultural, a lot of the culture idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Cause I, cause I was, I had already gone through eight years of graduate school, maybe at this point, I guess from, from 96 to 
2002, 2003 when I wrote this. You know, I was towards the end of a of a, a PhD in folklore, and I had spent a lot of time focusing on Mormon culture and Mormon folklore. So that there was there was a lot of that that was in here. Mm. But um, yeah, and, and so but but there there's just a lot of my life and experiences <laughs> that I put into this thing. You know, like I Jonas is my son who had just been born. You know, or Maybe maybe he was born in two thousand four. So you don't maybe know I your came back and birthday? did this. No, he was it was born in two thousand four. So yeah, you named your son after this character. No, I, I think <laughs> I think I think I went back and I, I added him in later versions of it is what happened. But I don't know. I don't know now because I, there are a couple of things in here, like there's something about a tooth fairy pillow that I think is a real exchange that my kids had. So, you know, there's there's little things like that that I was just playing with, just like looking at myself and putting myself under a microscope in this way. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just but, it's just hard to the read. The thing I think is also, though, interesting, though, is that <clears throat> so many ex-Mormons, when you get out for a certain amount of time, you, you all of the you, – you forget where you were. The transition. Yeah, but you yeah. forget all of where you were in the past, and so you remember because totally. we always have the t- we always have the the different narratives that are inside of us, mm-hmm. and then at a certain point, the one is the dominant one, and then you eliminate the the other one, and so when you go back and you see these artifacts, you see you were in a really different place than you even remember, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, like one of the biggest components <laughs> of memory is what's going on in your life today, colors your memory of yesteryear. And, and so that's why it's so, that's why I just never trust what I, you know, when, when I try to, when people ask me, okay, so where were you in 2007? Uh, I don't, I fucking don't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like when, when I said, you know, I I don't know, like when I said, you know, did you intend to write this as this, you know, the, the, the fam the Jensen family as being that sexist or whatever. Yeah. in saying that, like I know a dozen Mormon families that I interact with regularly, where the the dynamic between, between the parents is very similar to that. Yeah. Where the you know like when something like that happens, you know the man speaks almost the whole time, and if the woman speaks, is only in context of like the kids. And so I, I think this is an, uh, an interesting. I mean, we're having a good time. I'm having a blast, like reading it, and, and it's just a, it's it's a, it's a lot of fun. But the, I mean, well, you get to play is, the New York pervert poser, right? That's all. <laughs> You're doing a good job. Well, see, um, I, I, there, but, but, there was an experience. Oh, go ahead, Jake. Well, I'm just saying it's, it's it's actually been good to. It's been interesting to kind of harken back into that the Mormon notions of humor and. Just the Mormon mentality, because when we were re- when we were talking about the Boise rescue and, the- and recording that that episode, and while right. I was editing it, I realized how far away from that I'd gotten. Yeah, and this so this this has been interesting to me. This has been an interesting exercise to me for a variety of reasons. Yeah, well, and I you know like I at, at some some point around this time, and it was maybe two thousand one, two thousand two. I I went to a seminar. Um, at, at St. John's in Queens for three weeks that was sponsored by Notre Dame Creative Writing Program. It was called Faith and Fiction. And I, I don't think I started writing this there, but I remember there, you know, I was the only Mormon that was there. And there was this one woman from Canada that was really hostile towards me because of the priesthood question, you know, and she's just like, how could you support this church when. 
you know, you don't allow women to have the priesthood. And I was so defensive. And I'm like, no, I'm not sexist because our, our, it, it's everything that you hear today when people justify why, oh, the women are fine. You know, it's the gilded cage stuff that we've, we've talked about before. And that, that was totally my mindset. Mm-hmm. So I know that that exchange and that friction that I had with her stuck with me. And, and I, can, I can see traces of it in here where I thought by making Jill like kind of the main character in a way that I'm this very progressive Mormon guy <laughs> because, you know, I, I'm, I'm focusing on a female, but I go back and I look at it now and I'm like, you know, no, not even close, right? not even yeah, close. But if you contextualize it, yeah, you were, uh, for where you were probably in comparison to other people, maybe, but it just like, I had no clue cause I had never really sat down and thought about it or actually, listened to real women you know I mean, and, and to, to have that be something that was informing me so yeah but, i mean I, I look at i was maybe 30 31 years old and i'm just embarrassed because i do feel like i was a like retarded development uh, still kind of a teenager in a lot of ways hear that jake <laughs> uh, that was me wait why but, me because you're yeah, younger I'm, than 31 i'm 32 and i know you're younger than me that's why Oh, oh, I was just saying, I was saying Matt's the one that said retarded. (laughs) (laughs) People you love will turn their backs on you. You'll lose your hair, your teeth. Your knife will fall out of its sheath. But you still don't like to leave before the end of the movie. Hi, this is Chad from Orem, Utah. And I have met one of the three Nephites. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the Quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. Anybody for the closing prayer? don't like to leave before the end of the movie. No, you still don't like to leave before the end of the show. Is that, is, is that what you're going for, Jake? No, no I was trying to go for like Antonio Banderas. Yeah, I was, oh, think, okay. I was kind of thinking like a like a Spanish college student or something. Has, who's played Grand Theft Auto Five? Me, right here. One of the, the one of the radio stations. They have like <laughs> the guy. Remember the guy who's yeah, the yeah, radio talk host, and they're like, "There's no more touching the ladies <laughs> because the lawsuits happen." But Antonio will stop. <laughs> anyway, so he always talks about himself in the third person, and he's like yeah, this yeah. this serial like uh, sexual harasser. Anyway, so that was kind of what I was trying to go. Yeah, nerd. <laughs> and and almost as offensive as saying the word retarded. Oh so, right! Which Careful really, there. We should all. We should is all. Retarded, is yeah. retarded or is fucktard more offensive than retard? I think I it's thought... funnier. I laugh more when I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, that's the one word that I just can't. I fuck-tard? can't embrace this. No, no, no. Retard is being know, a, just... <laughs> a true pejorative because it actually means what I'm trying to say, which is is uh, not delayed or delayed or somehow deficient. Underdeveloped. Yeah, yeah, underdeveloped. I, I mean that. I, yeah. I don't mean it by you're retarded like, you know, those retarded kids at school. Yeah. I mean, you're not <laughs> or you're <laughs> You just used it to describe <laughs> the people you're saying you don't mean. <laughs> well, you've heard the mic. You really have a, your, your apologetic has fallen short, man. <laughs> 
I'm not talking about those retards with Down syndrome. <laughs> retards. I'm not... <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You've seen the, you've seen the office. office got your back. Michael Scott. And he says, you don't, you don't call retarded people retards. It's bad taste. You call your friends retards when they're acting retarded. This is Infants on Thrones. I had been living in New York and working there as an actor and director and choreographer for 25 years or so. And I really felt I needed a change. I got to tell you, we are very, very excited about the big show that's happening at the end of the festival. Well, we've traveled long and far today. We must let the women and children rest. Don't you rest on our account, Daniel Potter. We women are just as strong and resilient as you men. Ha, ha, ha. I do believe you are, Rebecca. I do believe you are. California will be a sight for these weary eyes. Mine as well, Rebecca. Mine as well. But right now we need a campfire to warm our souls and to cook our food. Done. Where are we? How did we get here? Is this a dream? What is it? I don't know. It looks like one of them new feed storage bins. That ain't no feed storage bin. How did it get here? It must have flew. Citizens of Blaine, do not be alarmed. We will not harm you. We come in peace from a planet far, far away. A place we call Mars. For you see, nothing ever happens on Mars. No sports or entertainment. on thrones, the philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and if you're wondering what the heck that two-minute intro was about, then you haven't seen the movie Waiting for Guffman. And if you haven't seen the movie Waiting for Guffman, well, then I guess you're all just... Well, why don't you tell them what they are, Corky? You're bastard people. That's what you are. You're just bastard people, and I'm going home, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bite my pillow. It's what I'm going to do. Wow, you guys should really go see Waiting for Guffman before Corky bites onto something worse. So today we're going to finish the script reading of How to Marry a Mormon. And if you haven't heard part one, then stop this now and go listen to part one, because this really won't make a lot of sense if you haven't already heard the first half of the story. 
Now, unfortunately, we weren't able to get a full quorum for this reading. Matt wasn't able to join us. And then we lost Jake towards the end due to internet issues. But most of us are here. It isn't quite as rowdy and raucous as the first time that we all looked at this silly script of mine, but we do have our moments. So just to remind you where we are in these three storylines... Our non-Mormon Jack has been recruited by Jill's father to play a role in his Christmas road show, A Very Nephite Christmas, which was largely inspired by the cheesiness of Waiting for Guffman. Elder Jared Moore has left his mission area in Mexico City to travel up to Utah so that he can stop Jill from getting together with Jack, and he's spreading the gospel like crazy and converting dozens of people along the way. And then Dennis and Sydney are flying from New York to Utah with Dennis posing as a uh, crudely stereotyped male flight attendant. Now, like I said, we did have some internet issues with the recording, so the sound isn't always great. So bear with us through the bad audio as well as the bad dialogue until we eventually get to the really bad roadshow and the even badder multiple endings. Ready? All right, here we go. So what did you guys think listening back to it, though, or any other comments? I thought it was pretty funny, but I don't know how funny it would be to outsiders, but I thought it was pretty hilarious to listen to. I I really loved listening back to it. I thought, like, as soon as we finished recording last time, I I just thought, oh, my gosh, this is awful. I felt so bad. But then <laughs> I, I thought, I'm there's no way I'm going to be able to listen back to that thing. But I'd listen back to it the next day, and I I it, it was just fun. There was a lot of energy in it. So, okay. So we are starting with uh, internal mission home. Elder Snell sifts through the mail and finds all four of Elder Moore's letters bundled together. President... We got this stack of letters from Moore and Adams. Let me see that. The president looks through the letters. <laughs> wait, wait, is this President Oaks? Yeah. Oh, wait. Okay. Is it? yeah. Okay. It's yeah. awesome. Okay. It's great. All, Do it. All of Bob's Mormon male voices are Oaks. Are Oaks, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this sort of thing before, Elder. These missionaries have gone AWOL. They wrote these in advance to keep us in the dark. These were meant to be sent... In one at a time. Let this be a lesson, Elder Snell. You can never fool a servant of the Lord. What are we going to do? We're going to find them, and we're going to bring them back. I have just the man for the job. You don't mean... I do. <gasps> All right. And then we've got a series of shots with Elder Stephen Aras Knudsen III. But uh, did you guys ever hear this story? Because this is like one of the most popular... Uh, Mormon missionary folklore stories that we had in the the archives when I was archiving stories in the folklore archives. It's called the unauthorized uh, trip, I think is what it's called. But it's it's where the missionaries prepare all these letters in advance and they send them in. There's a there's a mix up and the mission president figures it out and catches them. And so the moral of the story is you can never fool. Did you guys ever hear, hear that? No. Like missionaries yeah. that are like traveling from they're going outside of the their area or something like that. Yeah, this is sort yeah. of similar to the to the you know if somebody dies or gets hurt, it's like which commandment did they break? They must have been out past nine thirty. That's why his arm got chopped off. Yeah, okay. yeah, it, it's a little more specific though with like going outside of your mission boundaries and being caught. My my favorite version of that unauthorized trip story was where these these missionaries are outside of their area 
and they pull over at a gas station to fill up and the pay phone starts to ring. And so they go and they answer it. And it's the mission president saying, I know where you guys are. Get back to the apartment right now. Wowzers. Like, wow. God can see everything. Anyway. Yeah. I heard, I heard this one, the same iteration of it where, you know, you send the letters and then they all they get sent at once. And that's how they find out. But I, I see. I took a different lesson from it. It was like you got to be careful. You can never trust right. somebody else to send in your <laughs> yeah, letters. You got to right. do it yourself. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, if you really want to lock this down, you can't leave it. It's something is that big of a variable out hanging around to somebody else to do. <laughs> yeah, and and it may have it may have been lost in our reading of it the last time we did this. But there was that exchange where Matt was reading the uh, uh, you know housekeeping the the landlady. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, what I was trying to go for with that was that Elder Moore's Spanish was not nearly as good as it, he thought that it was, and mm-hmm. so he was giving her these instructions, and she's just like, whatever, and she mails them all in at one time. But anyway, that's what I was going for. So uh, now we're at a series of shots: Elder Stephen Raskinus in the third. Over the action, we hear a fifth of Beethoven by ELO as Knudsen really struts his stuff. Elder Stephen Raskinusen III, in Terminator-like fashion, dresses in front of a mirror. He brushes his teeth, slicks back his hair, straightens his tie, and secures his black missionary name tag. Finally, he puts on not-so-cool-looking pair of black sunglasses. He exits his apartment in a bad side of a Mexican town. Through his red-tinted Terminator point of view, we see, a, we see crowds of people part like the Red Sea as he walks through them. He sees a woman smoking a cigarette about ten feet away. With a Jedi-like wave of his hand, the cigarette flies from her mouth and is magically snuffed out on the ground. He turns to see a wino drinking from a brown paper bag. Knutson waves his hand. The wino stops drinking, looks curiously inside the bottle, then pours it onto the street. The dark purple liquid turns clear. Wine turned to water. Which I just... It's like a Mormon superhero. Right, right. And like, he's doing the opposite of what Jesus did. <laughs> Knudsen passes a woman in cut-off jeans and a bikini top. He waves his hand. The woman is spun around as if in a whirlwind. Then uh, when she stops, she's dressed like a 1950s librarian. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hair, hair up in a bun or, or down and wavy? Which which uh, which angle are you going for? The glasses uh, on or off? Which bun. porn scene are you going for? Bun. Yeah, I'm bun. thinking like top four buttons not done up. Yeah, right. Knudsen passes a Coke machine. He looks at it through his Terminator-like sunglasses. It explodes. Knudsen passes a rough-looking biker gang, all covered in leather and tattoos. With a wave of his hand, all the bikers' facial hair falls off and their tattoos burn away into plain, clean skin. He kneels to the ground, examines a small sunflower seed shell, turns precisely to the north, and stomps determinedly away. He's picked up the scent. External, rural Mexico day. The bus has broken down by the side of the river. All of the passengers stand on the side, dripping wet from having just been baptized by Elder Moore. Moore stands in the river and baptizes the big, mean-looking Mexican guy from the bus. He And their chickens, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, see, I was thinking maybe he should baptize the chickens. Right, like, we're yeah. already in that surreal space anyway. <laughs> Why not? The, chi- the t- chickens are the, also dripping. The Knutson was kind of like... Um... Raising Arizona, you know the the last horseman of the apocalypse or whatever in that. I don't remember that movie. 
He might, uh, okay. maybe, yeah. Well, anyway, just in other words, because he didn't even talk, right? He's just doing all of this very silent, badassy thing. Yeah, he was. He's like the Terminator. Like I'm picturing the ter- the Terminator, Terminator from the second Terminator okay. movie. You know, the right. I forget gotcha. the actor, the play. Yeah. Okay, so the the Mexican man comes out of the water and joins the others, smiling and radiant on the shore. More walks to the bus driver. I'm sorry about your bus breaking down. It was an act of God. How else will I have learned the valuable truths you have to share? You're a good man. I will forever be thankful. Good luck on your journey. Les, come on. All of the dripping passengers wave goodbye. Moore and Adams walk triumphant into an exaggerated sunset. Uh, okay, so external rural Mexico day. Moore and Adams walk along to a fork in the road. See this, this, this so far the script has taken like a, a super like a, like a left turn into like the surreal like yeah nothing, nothing's realistic anymore before it was like here's a kind of semi-realistic depiction of Mormon life in Utah you know Utah at Christmas and with the family and the jello and then all of a, now all of a sudden we're like in fantasy world where he's turning water into wine there's like the mass baptism they're just they're just walking around on the road in Mexico That's yeah. great well I, well, I guess, but I think, you know, like the way that I pictured even the first half was like, if you think about that stupid restaurant scene where all these things are going crazy, like to me, that's still that heightened reality kind of thing. I don't know, but yeah. Right. right. So you're like, you went, you're just cutting from a more an Adam scene to another more an Adam scene. So is that like a, a swipe across or is that yeah. a, a wipe to black or? Yeah. 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 Work? Okay. <laughs> yeah, with the land speeder across. With the, the land thing. speeder, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Got it. So they walk to a fork in the road. We've done well, Les. We're making good time. We're spreading the word. But now we need some guidance. What do you think? <laughs> Adam scans both roads with an overly ridiculous gaze. He samples the dirt from each path between his fingers. Without a word, he takes three exaggerated strides down the path to the left. He returns and does the same for the right. He stops and signals for more to join him. This is the place. Choose the right. Take the road. Less travel. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Go ahead and shoot us now. Right. That's actually the scripted line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> so that's like the fourth wall there, right? Yeah. He looks at the camera and says, Go ahead and shoot us now. Yeah. Okay. Inside the airplane, Dennis and Sydney sit on the last row. Catherine pours drinks in the galley behind them. Okay. So tell me what you guys believe. Like what? I don't know. Like religious stuff, like heaven and hell. Eh, we don't really have a heaven and hell. You don't? No. It's more like different levels of heaven, degrees. No hell? How does that work? Well, there's a temporary place right after you die where you go if you've been bad. It's called spirit prison. But after that, we get resurrected and we get put in one of the heavens. One of them? Yeah, they usually talk about them in threes. The highest is where God is, and there's actually more. There's, but there's actually more to it than that. It's really not so much of a place as a state of existence. Even the lowest one, the one where murderers and stuff. Even that place is supposed to be awesome. Even that place is heaven. We don't really have a hell. A Mormon celebrity enters. Who? <laughs> Just any Mormon celebrity, whoever. Donny Osmond. That's what we could get to take the role. It's just Mormon celebrity. Steve Maybe Martin. he's got. A, Steve he's probably got a sign on his shirt that says Mormon celebrity or something. See if you can get Thurl Bailey. Yeah, right. It's always or impressive Gladys to Knight. have a, a six nine black guy. Yeah. Excuse me, is this seat taken? What are you doing here? Doesn't every Mormon movie need a Mormon celebrity cameo? No. Oh, Dennis points to the galley. Get out. Thanks. I see, what, I, I see what you're going for there. You're, you're making oh, fun of all of the cameos in Singles Ward. Yep. It was just, yeah, just cameo after cameo. Yep. 
Catherine stands with the emergency exit door open and a parachute in her hands. The Mormon celebrity takes the parachute and jumps from the plane. <laughs> That's great. Uh, where were we? You were saying that Mormonism has no eternal punishment. Well, if someone has a perfect understanding of Christ and then they flat out reject him, then they don't go to any heaven. I guess that's eternal punishment, but that's supposed to be really rare. And even even if it's a matter of choice, it's it's what they want for, for, for whatever reason because they don't want the whole heaven thing. Huh. That's actually a pretty cool belief. Uh, I think so. <laughs> hey, uh, I thought it was unending explication. You know, I, like look, discussions. I was sifting out the baby from the bathwater, John. I really like this. <laughs> it's like a discussion, right? It is. <laughs> I know. Does he? Uh, does he pull out a flannel board with uh, you know visuals? I'll, I'll put that in the next version. All right. And, and you made it sound so, like, not that bad. Like, oh, you know, if you don't go to heaven, it's this other thing. I don't know what to call it. I'm not going to say hell. I'm not going to say, you know, <laughs> eternal darkness. It's just it's not, I'm not gonna use the I'm not going to use the word telestial that I've already decided is, <laughs> is pretty good. <laughs> That's a Joseph Smith quote. Telestial is awesome. You'd kill yourself if you could go there, John. Yeah. No, I'm saying that the word is lame. Oh, yeah, okay. In other words, Glenn has already said that he's already decided at this point that that's a lame word. Oh, I hadn't. No, but I hadn't. Yeah. I hadn't at this point. The the, oh, okay. the the telestial thing happened years after this. But okay, yeah. Dennis. So Sydney says that's actually a pretty cool belief. You said that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. I, I, okay. I think so. To be able to get to do what you want and still get into heaven. So if everyone gets into heaven, even the murderers and stuff, what's the point of being good? I don't know. Just for the sake of being good, I guess. But you could be a total jerk and still get into heaven. Dennis leans over and puts his hand on Sidney's leg. You could pretty much do anything. <laughs> Sidney smiles and <laughs> leans forward to whisper in her his ear. Well, you couldn't. All right. Catherine, Ooh, e- steamy. <laughs> Catherine eavesdrops from her spot in the galley. She squints suspiciously and turns away. Because that's not the sort of thing that a gay man like flight attendant would do, right? Oh, I forgot that I'm flamboyantly <laughs> offensive gay man. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> God. Why, oh, why is that so offensive, by the way? Scene. No, but, but this is a no, private No, no, you've already dropped cover. That's the point. That's how Catherine's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. That's what Catherine's right. on to you. Yeah, you, you read it exactly right. But, but like, you know, that one guy in our comments that was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to go listen to it three more times. And then the next time he's like, oh, no, it was too offensive. I couldn't get past it. Is that is that really offensive, John? Uh, eh. Is it? No, I don't know. About Why? I don't know. I wasn't offended. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, it was like there's like, I mean, there's a thing where that this, this is a stereotype, which is also off commonly the case, which is that. Flight attend- male flight attendants are often gay, right? I have a lot of friends who are flight attendants and, who and are gay. It's just Dennis being a dweeb. But, well, I uh, thought we had a, like an exempt card because this is meta and Glenn is sort of psychoanalyzing himself from 15 years ago or whatever. It's not like we're supporting this gay stereotype actively right. today. So like what's well, to be yeah, offended you know, about? Yeah, yeah. So, so if this was like a regular Mormon singles ward type movie, it would be totally offensive because conservatives – especially anti-Mormon, I'm sorry, anti-gay bigots like Mormons are not allowed to make those kind of jokes. But, you know, so that would be offensive, but, you know, we don't have, it's not offensive for us. Have you guys seen the the Will Will Ferrell, uh, Kevin Hart movie, Get Hard? No, I heard it was awful. It's terrible. Like, I mean, it is terrible. But they do these kinds of stereotypes, like, they go way further than this, like, 
Mormon nom guy that I was 12 years ago went. Yeah, but Will Ferrell is not, you know, like actively engaged in anti-bigotry. <laughs> bigotry. Yeah. So, he's, so that's words, the offensive he's, part. He superseded that. It's coming from, in other words, if it's coming from a community that is, you know, that isn't self-reflective enough and that is making fun of people outside of itself who it also internally denigrates constantly, yeah. then obviously then that, that's not legitimate realm for humor. Okay. You know? Glenn, did you, did you read um, my response and his response to my response? Remind me. So I told him, um, so you were offended by a, oh, right, ca- yeah. a character who was established as being a consummate douchebag. Right, yeah. Making the choice yeah. as a, uh, to play a, a flight attendant as a flamboyantly gay person. You, you took that offensively? I mean, he was already established as a douchebag. And then, he, and then the name of the guy is Thomas Moore. He, uh, he backed off. Well, well, from the beginning, I think what he was saying is like, I, I can't listen to this again, but this is this is my thing. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Th- I think we're being defensive. I think we got defensive about that when we didn't need to, because I don't think he was saying y- no, you guys cool. are being a. F- yeah, he, he was cool. He was just like, sure. oh, I, I, it's just I can't listen to this again because it's too. It hits too close to home for me. But you know, right? But the the, the, the answer that John just gave about like. A Mormon group that is known for being bigoted doesn't have permission to joke around about this sort of thing. That's mm-hmm. illuminating. So that, that's that's kind of what I was why I asked the question. I wanted to understand where is the offense mm-hmm. in, in someone like me twelve years ago doing something like that. And that that I like that answer. That, that's right. good. Okay, so uh, we're back on the airplane. We've just done another swipe. Right. And uh, Dennis comes out of the lavatory. <laughs> Catherine approaches him slowly until she's just an inch from his face. Well, hello. Hello. <laughs> back to the offensive voice. Yeah. <laughs> right, we're back. <laughs> so, do you fly this route often? What, are you drunk? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> all the time. You know, I haven't seen you around before. Oh, trust me, honey, I get around. Really? Because I have a layover coming up in Phoenix, and I was thinking that maybe... She moves in closer. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't too much trouble... She walks her fingers up his arm. Uh-huh. <laughs> she moves in closer. Dennis closes his eyes and moves in for a kiss. That's a really nice bana- bandana. <laughs> oh, banana. Banana. I read it as banana about. the first time. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really nice banana. So what does she do with the banana? Glenn? Camel toes. <laughs> oh, cut that out. <laughs> oh, sure. I can't say the camel toe thing. No, right. only... Not, not in context with the banana. That's that's just that's just that's that's poor offensive. taste. Okay, <laughs> poor she, taste, sir. All right. Well, <laughs> so 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 the next direction is she pulls it tight, and remember, we're talking about a bandana. <laughs> oh, <shut up. laughs> oh, Glenn, man, you're right. killing me. <laughs> huh? Catherine picks up a telephone headset from the galley wall. Captain. We have a stowaway. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you doing? I see you've been cured of your lisp. Sydney enters. What's going on in here? We're landing this plane. No, please. Nice try, flyboy. Catherine exits. What would a Mormon girl do now? Oh. Pray. Wah, wah, yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Inside uh, the church cultural hall, Jerry stands in front of the stage, pointing and gesturing with a small group of people dressed in Nephite costumes, including all of Jerry's children. The piano plays in the background. Some cast members practice their singing and dancing. Jill enters in costume, a script in her hand. She grabs Jerry by the arm and pulls him off to the side. Dad, you can't be serious about this. About what? You have Jack playing the son of non-believers? Yes, but he comes around in the end. After he's converted by the Nephite missionaries. I don't have any Nephite missionaries, you know. That's not a bad idea. You have written that Jack's character converts. Right, because he falls in love with my daughter. Don't you like that story? It's a bit much. It's a great character arc. Maybe for you... Ever since he got here, you've told him too many times in too many ways that you want him to be Mormon. And then you go and write this? He won't remember. Besides, what are you complaining about? We end with a big happy wedding. I wrote that just for you. Yeah, (laughs) some happy wedding. Right after all the non-believers have been killed. Some of them repent. You can't do this, Dad. I don't want Jack to see this. Too late. He's reading through it as we speak. And I think he really likes it. Jack sits alone in a far corner looking through the script. Jerry approaches. So, what do you think? Uh, It's, uh... Pretty good, huh? After all these years, I have a sense for these things. I wrote those new scenes just for you. I could tell. So, any questions about your role? It it seems pretty straightforward. Well, I realize you're kind of new to all this, so I didn't want to overwhelm you. Right. Uh, It's nice to not have to remember any lines. Oh, you have lines. Points to the script. Here and here and all through here. Oh, I nod and say yes? Several times. And don't forget the big ending. You've got the last line for the whole thing. That little bang that makes the whole thing fly. I do. You bet your Jesus Pete you do. Of course, I took some liberties with the language because we don't really know how exactly how people spoke back then. But the scriptures provide a pretty good guide. Glad you're on board. <laughs> All right, everyone. So we're ready to block this thing. So, so the scriptures provide a pretty good guide of 15th century uh, English. That's probably how they talked back in 600 BC. Yeah, yeah. In in Guatemala, that thou thou dost not think that that is true. I I dost not. I don't know. Thou thou, thou. haven't hast hastn't thou seenest the Book of Mormon, Volume One? And it came to pass. I haven't. <laughs> Thou wishes that Joseph Smith knew how to compose in 15th century English. (laughs) It's All right. Exterior, rural Mexico. The small group of Mexican converts by the river sing the Spirit of God in beautiful harmony by the side of the broken-down bus, which they have renovated into a makeshift chapel. Elder Knudsen marches into their midst. He bends down and picks up another sunflower seed. The bus driver approaches him warmly. Elder, we are so happy to see you. Knudsen scrutinizes him up and down with his Terminator-like vision. He removes the sunglasses and glares unblinkingly into the bus driver's eyes. What happened here? The bus broke down and we all found God. Were you baptized? <laughs> is, is he from Transylvania now? <laughs> and now we're going to suck no, your no, blood. No. <laughs> oh, God. He's just... Back into character. <laughs> were you baptized? Yes. Oh, yes. By one holding the proper authority? Yes, we are so happy. (laughs) We have been reading the Book of Mormon. 
uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I don't think you count, count Chocula. Help the Book of Mormon one with baptism. Help do baptisms. Three chickens. One uh, Nephi, uh, two uh, Nephi, uh, three uh, Nephi, four. Can I see your paperwork? Paperwork? The paperwork that shows all of this is official. I'm sorry. We don't have paperwork. Then I'm sorry. It's not official. The crowd of Mexican converts stopped singing on a very sour note. They slouched their shoulders in disappointment. Knudsen waves his arm. The van engine miraculously starts. Get these people back where they belong. And the next time you think of joining this church, make sure you do it the right way. This is a house of order. Now, if you'll excuse me. Knudsen slides on his sunglasses for effect. I have some renegades to catch. Knudsen marches away. The disgusted bus driver tosses his Book of Mormon aside and spits on the ground in Knudsen's wake. Did you have a, a, a missionary in Japan that was like this? Oh, there's tons of people that, yeah. Actually, there was, there was a guy named uh, Williams that was just, uh, yeah. He, he, he's the guy that, uh, I don't know if you've heard me tell the story before, but... but uh, the, the punchline was, he says, uh, did you feel the spirit during your baptism interview? Because we'd had some conflict earlier that day. And I said, oh, yeah, I felt the spirit. He goes, oh, the spirit confirmed to you that it was okay for these people to be baptized? I said, yeah. And he goes, wow, it's amazing that you can feel the, both spirits at the same time. <laughs> okay, I, I remember that story. And I just wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah, he was, just an, he was just an ass. And it was like everything was by the book. His companion once fell on his bike as they were going to meet the mission president. He scraped up his knee. And he just left him there in the dust because he didn't want to be late for the meeting with the mission president. I just like I I couldn't stand this guy. Wait a second, but so he chose breaking breaking the one rule over the other. Stills. Yeah. No, it was all like for him it was all about appearances and promotion mm-hmm. and you know like he he was his own leader who wanted to be AP and he you know that's where his priorities were. So yeah, there were there were a lot of people that were like that. Did he make it to AP? He did. They usually do. See? That's how you do it. Yeah. They usually yeah. do. The assholes yeah. almost always do. Did, did and, you and make it to be AP, Glenn? No, no, I didn't make it to Stone Leader. <laughs> um, but uh, the uh, you, you guys remember Brad that that was uh, one of my missionary companions. He's done a couple episodes with us before. He did. The, oh yeah, uh, I remember. Yeah, he did one. He did a listener essay. Yeah. So so we had Brad crank call this guy after he became AP and pretend that he was an anonymous missionary in his zone somewhere that was having problems with wet dreams and what should he do? <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Anyway. So, what did he yeah, say? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. We we tape recorded it. But I I don't remember what he said. It was just you know, but but it was like he he's he felt the gravity of his position and that now he could be you know he he could be in a place where he could really help people and he was just really trying to help him and uh, do you get uh, when I was a district or zone leader um, I had to interview um, uh, potential baptismal uh, you know converts. And the very last question was so fucking awkward. Have you ever been involved in a serious crime, abortion, or homosexual or lesbian activity? And I had to, before, before I had to ask that question, I had to say, if you, have, if you answer yes to any of these, um, the interview's over, and we'll have to have a special interview with someone from the mission presidency. But I remember being like a 19, 20-year-old asking like 50-something-year-olds this question and feeling so uncomfortable I remember that too. and Especially out of place. When it's like- Especially when it's like a 50-year-old woman and it's like, okay, we're going to ask you if you've um, participated in rape or drank coffee in back-to-back sentences, you know? It's just, <laughs> right, right. It's so weird. Yeah. 
Well, in in Korea, the the Korea has actually one of the highest abortion rates in the world um, because it's their laws on it are really liberal and they don't have very good um, birth control. And there's lots, yeah, there's lots of premarital sex, and so like thirty or forty percent of women that are adult women have had an abortion at one time or another. So if you were doing a baptismal interview for an adult woman, it was a pretty darn good chance that she was going to have to answer yes to that. And I think just about every time that I did an interview, it was, it was a yes. And we have to get the bishop on the phone or that, not the bishop, the mission president on the phone and then just sit there and like, wait. And it was just awful. Oh, so awful. So I'm going to, I'm I'm going to ruin all of our nights right now. But there was a, in one of them, it, it may not. That uh, anyway. Wow, shit! I have ruined this story without even just starting tell the story. it. Story. Okay, the story is I did. Do you want me to I, edit out that first part? Uh, eh, uh, do, listen to your heart. That's what I always do. Um, so still no story. Story's coming. Um, uh, abide. <laughs> dragons are coming. I promise. Oh, they're coming. Um, uh, it, baptismal interview. I interviewed this guy, and like he, there were there was two times. One time was a guy. We found out that this guy had participated in the Shining Path, and had participated in like mass murders. What? In, Seriously, the Shining Path. Seriously, the sh- so Shining Path. That, was a, that's from Skyrim, right? No, the Shining <laughs> Path was a was the a terrorist organization that like terrorized Peru for like a decade or several wow. years back in the 80s. Wow. And then there was another guy that was part of the he was in the army during the Shining Path thing, but he described me participating in a gang rape. Oh my god. And I'm like nine, and I'm 20 years old. I'm like what the fuck is going on? So <laughs> And and we just and we just baptized that guy. I mean, I got the mission president on the phone. I was like, oh, did, did he seem sorry about participating well, in the game well, race? As long as, was it as gay? Long as he hadn't had an abortion. <laughs> yeah, or or uh, involved in homosexual yeah, yeah, or right, lesbian exactly. activity. No, no, but it was a gay. It was a gang, gay gang rape. It was a gang rape. But but he was a but, he was, but he was at least penetrating, not the other way around. Oh, oh yeah, oh, he, was, he was the pitcher, not the catcher. So that's okay. Yeah. So come on. Well, there were multiple pictures in this case, but yeah, it was uh, horrific. Yeah, it okay. was it was horrific. I mean, like, just... we're, we're we're making light of rape again. God damn it! <laughs> no, I mean, I don't want to make. Ra- I think that I mean, it was it was an awful thing, and I don't want to make light of rape because no, we're not making light of rape. Terrible. We're making light of the fact that you just like, oh, well, we just wave him through, whereas we grill these these poor Korean women. <laughs> Yeah, who had nothing. abortions? Yeah. yeah. Well, but it, but but all those things it 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 only means that they need to have a second interview, right? It doesn't mean that they're disqualified from. No, it just means being they're going to get humiliated for another few minutes. When right. In front exactly. of yeah. Right. It's like, right. oh, let me call the man upstairs. Hold yeah. on. By, and they have to talk by, by some nineteen or twenty year old kid that has authority over. Isn't right. it also kind of a weird exception to be like you two boys always need to stay together so you stay out of trouble? Except for when you talk to an older woman about um, if she's had an abortion, then you one of you stays out here and then the right. other one talks to her it's just like what yeah that's that is that is strange yeah it's, it's weird i don't know but the whole I, thing I is the, weird i think the story that i had most in in my mind when i was doing this Knudsen thing that he's like coming in and reversing everything that elder moore had done you know like any good there's that kind of pharisaical uh approach i i, I remember i don't think i knew this person i think i just heard the story that in this branch somebody came to church that was a new convert and didn't wear a tie one day and the the branch president just 
like reamed him out in front of all the church members and then he never came back. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, man, why does it matter? Like white shirt, tie, you know, being nitpicky about all these things. You're missing the point of the gospel. And that, that's kind of like everything that I've ever done with Stephen Norris's Knutson. He's that kind of person that's just pharisaical. And that, that may be one of my uh, early cracks that made me start looking at but there's a, hypocrisy in th- Mormon culture. There's kind of a mixed message in here, though, because not I mean, he is he is an asshole, but he's also endowed with this incredible spiritual power, right? Where he's doing well, that's the all this joke. magical stuff. Yeah. The, the joke is that by being an asshole, you're you get to do that. No, no, no. It's just it's it, it, it's just kind of like a juxtaposition thing. Like, oh, he's able to do all of these amazing things that uh, uh, really aren't having the effect that he thinks they are. That, I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't quite think it through that far. Right. But okay, yeah. Okay, so where are we? Uh, oh, we're inside the Jensen home now. Uh, who's Jonas? Just to see if you remember. We we assigned Jonas to somebody. Is that? Oh, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's me, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Get to hear his little kid voice. But uh, right. but I've also got Debbie. So. All right. Oh, or, uh, stay stay, stay on. Be sharp as a tack. <laughs> All right. Inside the Jensen home, Jack stands across from Jill, who's measuring his chest with a tape measure. She hands him a Nephite Centurion costume for the play, Centurion. and he tries it on. <laughs> the Roman. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jerry and his wife sit at the piano, pecking out one of the songs for the upcoming play. The doorbell rings. Two of Jill's friends enter, carrying a large leather binder. Hello. We've heard you have the Slap Slap Smooth guy. Yes, he's right here. Hello. Hi, I'm Debbie, and this is Kelly. We just love your body of work. Uh, (laughs) thanks. So when we heard that Jill brought you here, well, we made this for you. They open the leather binder. Jack sees an extensive family tree and old photos. What is this? It's your family history. We spent some time in the archives. We were only able to trace it back to 1734. This is this is amazing. We found some old... <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> That's the, I think he used the wrong word there. We found some photos in an old newspaper clipping. Well, on microfish. And we got a lot off the internet from some public records. I, I'm speechless. We also had all the work done for them, so... <laughs> their, their work? You're welcome. What do you mean? They're in a better place now. And you should be, too. Thanks so much for coming. Their work? What, what are they talking about? Jerry and Janice join them from the piano. Jerry takes the binder from Jack's hands. What's this? Hey, family history. Pretty neat. Dad. You should really get their work done for them. You could do it yourself, of course, but you'd have to wait a year until after you're baptized. What? Or we could do it for you now if you don't want to have them to wait any longer than they have to. They already did their work for them. <laughs> oh, how thoughtful. I'm sorry. I have no idea what you're talking about. Jack, can we talk? Let's walk. 1734, huh? Not bad. <laughs> I love how the Jill's dad is such a clueless <laughs> retard. Um, I'm sorry. God <laughs> damn it. Oh, <laughs> We have a chalkboard with you, days since you we didn't. said retard. And we just <laughs> had to erase it, put it to zero. But all Randy said was retard. We don't know uh, we what don't he was gonna really going to say. He oh, stopped. No, retard. He stopped. I have to erase it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Jake said it after. Uh, but he was going to say reticent. 
he just <laughs> he just like says stuff that only a Mormon would understand without any like self awareness of what he's saying over and over and over. It's hilarious. Okay, uh, exterior Jensen home. Jack and Jill walk through the neighborhood. Uh, what's all this stuff about after I'm baptized? It's just my dad. You know, I don't hate this stuff. You really have a great family, but do they really expect me to join up just like that? Well, there's this common idea among Mormons that all non-Mormons live some kind of miserable half-life. That existence doesn't really have any real value until their eyes have been opened to the truth. Well, forgive me for saying it, but that's pretty naive. I know. I don't think it's the way it has to be. It's just the way it is. So what's all this stuff about work? Um, well, it means baptism for your ancestors. For my ancestors? We do it by proxy, like you'll know that. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't. <laughs> it's, it's like they... Oh, I can't even say it. Oh, tell me. Okay. When you die, you go to one of two places, right? Well, that's always seemed a little strange to me, but actually, okay. No, it seems strange to us, too. We believe that there is a lot more than two places, but right after you die, after your spirit has, has separated from your body, it goes to a kind of waiting place. Like purgatory. Maybe. I don't really know what that is. <laughs> Come on, man. You guys got to help me out by not laughing in between my lungs. <laughs> I'm Maybe. laughing that we're, we're getting a second exposition on the same, you know, like... Right. Doctrine. Right. I mean, we've, ar- I mean, we've <laughs> already in like one... It's not. It's, it's one two-hour no. movie. We're hearing the same thing. You're not, John. What you heard before was after the final judgment. Okay. This is before the final judgment. God, okay. Think, you've got to think about your plan of salvation chart in your head. Which circle are you in right now? Yeah, God isn't going in reverse. That stuff has been spelled out. All right. Action. Keep going. <laughs> it's about a ski resort. Uh, yeah, give yeah me a the ski, purgatory give ski me resort. Give me a ski resort analogy, Jill. All right. <laughs> well, you know, there's a there's a place called Purgatory, right? It's a ski resort. Yes. Yeah, it's in Colorado, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I don't really know what that is. It's pretty. It's pretty much just a ski resort around here. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> wah, wah. But but the spirits go to wait until the resurrection, until the time when the spirit and the body are reunited again forever. So what does this have to do with baptism? Well, I said there were two places to go, right? A paradise and a prison. In order to get into paradise, you kind of have to be baptized. Well, all right. I'm sure most of my ancestors were baptized already. By a Mormon. Uh, Oh, I I see. And and Mormons have been around since what? 1800s? Since 1830, yes. So when your dad said they've waited so long, he thinks their spirits are in... Exactly. Nice. So you guys get baptized for them, and they're allowed to switch sides. Only if they want to. Well, I'm glad they have a choice. I'm sorry, Jack. This must sound really weird. You guys really want to turn the entire world Mormon, don't you? Pretty much, yeah. Well, it doesn't change the way I feel about you. (laughs) I'm sorry, let me say it again. Well, it doesn't change the way I feel about you. 
Oh. <laughs> Do you mean that? It's fine. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be with you. <laughs> pause. What the pause mean? Uh, with you. I don't know, because I don't yeah. like these Mormons. Yeah. They're driving me crazy. There you go. There you go. I like it. Because <laughs> it's such a huge part of who I am. Come here. Oh, Give me some loving. Jack wraps his arms around Jill. She rests her head against his shoulder. Just tell me one thing. Are we through the worst of it, or is it going to get weirder? <laughs> oh, Jack. Oh, yeah. Jack. The drumbeat of an American Indian Christmas music comes from inside the house. Jack and Jill just laugh. Hey, See, I, I think at this point, it would have been really funny... I, if he says, if it's just going to get weirder, and then at that moment, the Mormon celebrity lands from his parachute, having been ejected from the plane, right behind him. Perfect. That, that, that would be good. Just write that in. That would be good. This gives him the salute. I'm right. This gives him the salute. I mean, the, the thumbs up or whatever. He doesn't say anything. Right. Yeah. And then the drum beat. <laughs> Right. Okay. Outside of an airport terminal, Dennis and Sydney stand dejected on the curb. So now what are we going to do? A semi-truck pulls up in front of them. Big letters on the side of it reads, Victor and Sammy Weinstein, Weinstein Products of Love. Victor and Sammy Weinstein are two slippery lounge singer type shysters with thick New York accents. Victor sticks his head out of the driver's window. You look like you could use a lift. Join us. Outside, rural Mexico. A beat-up pickup truck drives down a dusty road. Elder Moore sits next to Mr. Garcia, Mr. Garcia, in the cab. His Book of Mormon is open, and he reads as Mr. Garcia drives. And I exhort you that once you have received these things... Elder Adam sits in the back of the truck with a horde of Garcia children and a couple of pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Next to him sits Eva Garcia, who is staring at him. Elder Adams is staring back. Her little brother punches her in the arm. Eva, stop staring! Uh, at the... Garcia household. The Garcia family, dressed all in white, stands by a river near their beat-up little house. Elder Moore stands in the water. Eva approaches him. Elder Adams follows. Mind if I do this one? If it's all right with Sister Garcia. Eva nods. She and Adams lock eyes and stare at each other throughout the entire baptism blessing. Eva Garcia, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. I should have said holy the ghost. Yeah, you know you wrote that wrong too, right? Uh, did the I? The prayer, yeah. Uh, no. It's what, what in is the it? name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So I, I missed the of the Son. Yeah. Oh, I have only got one of. Yeah. Oh, maybe I did it on purpose so that Knudsen could uh, disqualify no, I don't know. I haven't read that far. We'll find out. Well, okay. So the yeah. next line is from Elder Moore. There's another part you forgot. Oh, yeah. He dunks her eyes still locked together. Um, Elder, you forgot to say being commissioned, Elder. <laughs> Adams leads her from the water, oblivious to anything else around them. Moore's follow- Moore follows them. Mr. Garcia points to a small beat-up motor scooter. In thanks for this great gift you have given my family, <laughs> I want to take you to this. May God be with you on your journey. 
<laughs> Outside at Merle, Mexico. From high above, we see the beat-up scooter motoring down the road. Up close, we see Elder Moore at the controls. I don't know why I did this. Wearing a spiked Nazi riding helmet and a dusty pair of goggles. What? Behind... Nazis. I don't know. Nazi? Where'd that come from? I don't know. Behind him sits Elder Adams wearing an old football helmet without a face guard and equally goofy goggles over his equally goofy glasses. Behind him sits Eva Garcia, no helmet or goggles, arms tightly wrapped around Adams. <laughs> Adams smiles goofily, and we enter into his daydream. So how would you a series describe, of shots. How would you describe Adams in one word? <laughs> yeah, without saying goofy over and over again. Jeez. All right. Maybe we could put that in the... Uh, uh, Sunstone presentation. How would you describe Adams? And the only options are goofy. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is his vision. Uh, it's in the Garden of Eden. Adams awakens from a sleep beneath a large tree. He rubs his ribs and looks over to see Eva, who walks towards him. He stands and takes her by the hand. They're both dressed in strategically placed fig leaves. <laughs> Adams has his black missionary tag firmly affixed to his bare chest. Wait, wait, wait. See, he rubs his ribs and he doesn't realize that there's one missing. <laughs> Right. No, that's the, oh, that's, that's, the, the, yeah, okay, the that's the nod. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, where where is it? Oh, there it is. <laughs> it's in that honey over there. Yeah. Cartoon flowers blossom around them. Cartoon animals cavort around the garden. Did I say what the song was? Zippity doodah. No. Just oh no! It's just us. the two of us yeah. by Bill Withers. Yeah. <laughs> just the two of us. We can make. It. Okay. Uh, Adam picks a bouquet of cartoon flowers and hands it to Eva. You get the whole Adams and Eva uh, thing. No, that, that is not clear. No. Yeah. Adam, <laughs> pretty subtle. Oh yeah. Adams leads Eva to a large tree where a map with blinking lights is posted. The map reads the garden and has blue lights for explored and red lights for unexplored. By the way, in Spanish, it's pronounced Eva. Okay. They run joyfully through the garden, racing with the cartoon animals. They hold hands and sway back and forth to the music. A smiling cartoon serpent coils up around their hands and sways to the music with them. Nothing quite like this little piece of paradise. Fade out of the daydream to Adam's... Say it. Goofy <laughs> smiling face. End <laughs> oh, of the daydream. Okay, back inside the cultural hall. The stage is closer to completion with Olmec heads and Mayan pyramids forming a Mesoamerican backdrop. Jerry stands off to the side and leads a group of children in a few dance steps. Jack stands off to the side and just shakes his head. Uh, in their neighborhood at night, Jack and Jill walk down a street of beautiful homes lit up for Christmas. You did well today. Uh, it's not a difficult role to play. I've, I've had much worse. Still, I am so embarrassed. Jack walks in silence. Um, why is it in italics? Don't think too hard about it, Randy. Just read. Okay. <laughs> I'm just wondering if it was lyrics. I was supposed to sing it like she was singing the song. You can if you want. I don't know. Isn't this the part where you're supposed to say, don't worry, it's okay? Well, it's a bit uncomfortable. It actually started to get to me a bit today. This isn't exactly what I had in mind when I offered to come home with you for Christmas. Then you don't have to do it. We'll tell my dad you just won't do it. No, it, it's, it's pretty funny, actually. I just, I don't... You don't what? I don't get how your dad doesn't see what he's doing, that's all. 
He knows what he's doing. In, in a way, sure, but I don't think he really does. None of you really seem to. Look, I've never been really religious, so I've never been around a group of people so so really religious like this. I don't know if it's just Mormons or what, but ever since I first got here, it's like I have to conform to be accepted, and I'm just not sure how I feel about it. Well, you don't have to conform for me. I know. Aww. Jack puts his arm around her and they walk closer together. Look, I'll I'll do your dad's play and I'll have fun with it, but just do me one favor. What's that? When we have those moments in the play, those many moments where it's so completely obvious that the believers are so great and the non-believers are so not, please don't look at me because I'm going to be doing everything I can not to laugh. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> You know, I have to say, the, these last two conversations with Jack and Jill, there have been elements of it that I've really liked. Like, I think, I don't know, I, I, uh, I, I like these, these, this last exchange I liked quite a bit, actually. Well, Jill's actually definitely not um, someone who uh, is going to be a hardliner. She's not a McConkie Mormon. Oh, um, right. So. And- and Jack, Jack's actually wisened up a lot in the course of this play. He was, right. like, he was like <laughs> way more that. dumb. Right. Well, and self-absorbed. Yeah, maybe. I, know. I, mean, I, don't know. I, was, I mean, it was way more vainglorious right at the beginning, and now he's kind of like has a little bit of insight, even though he's, I don't know what his objectives are. We, we've gotten just a tiny little bit of depth to Jack. Just a tiny yeah. Just a tiny. Well, I think, I mean, actually, I think there's probably more depth to Jill than there really is to Jack. Jack's kind of, uh, Jack's pretty pretty shallow. Well, I, I, I mean, not shallow, but, but we just don't really get into but, him but compared very to much. Randy, I'm kind of bringing credibility to the role. You are, yes. You're, you're doing a very good reading. That's true. Ouch. That's true. Because Jill, Jill was kind of like me and in, in like the part of me that is so embarrassed about being a Mormon uh, and like how are you going to deal with this? And, you know, I, I don't think that it really came out as much in the first half as it is in the second half. But, yeah, anyway. No. So, so like when I, when I read smart, this, I, I recognize that. Embarrassed. She's embarrassed by this whole thing. So Yeah. 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 Um, but but still, like one, one of my favorite comments from the first one was when Jake, Jake, Jake uh, made the point of saying, oh, what was it like the very nom language about the Lamanites that were generally righteous or no, the generally, you know, like like they weren't all bad, you know. And so like that, that that made me open my eyes and look, oh, yeah, because I was like a lot of these a lot of this exposition about Mormon beliefs was kind of what's good, what's bad, because I still thought that there was like redeemable stuff about the church that I was proud of, but then there was this other stuff that I wasn't proud of. And if I, if I wrote this thing today, it would be very, very different. But anyway, okay. Uh, Elder Knudsen at the Garcia home rises from a kneeling position, a sunflower seed between his long thin fingers. He walks to the little house and bangs on the door. A sleepy eyed Mr. Garcia answers. Oh, hello, Elder. How can I help you? It, it, I, it shouldn't be the night. It should be in the middle of the day, then. Vampire sleep. Can I go now? Yeah. What do you know about Mormons? I know that I am one. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Would you like to know more? There's more? I think you already know more. What are you saying? They've been here, haven't they? 
Uh, uh, that was really how, bad. How was anyone supposed to get that joke without I looking don't at know. the spelling? I don't know. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't play. They have to say elder more. Yeah. Um, but it's still not. They're going to be doing it getting. in Spanish, and there's going to be uh, sub- <laughs> mas. <laughs> Would you like to know mas? E menos. Yeah. Uh, inside the Garcia home, Knudsen pushes his way past Mr. Garcia. A cutout picture of the first presidency from an Ensign magazine hangs on the wall. Where are they? Where are who? The missionaries who baptize you. I need to find them. They're traveling to Utah. I gave them my old scooter. <laughs> he has to. Utah, you say? They have to stop a wedding. Elder Moore girlfriend is marrying a non-member. Uh, <laughs> I wish Mr. Garcia had said Utah. I see. They are bad missionaries, Mr. Garcia. I'm sorry to tell you this, but your conversion didn't take. He points to a picture of the first presidency on the wall. You want to take that down until you're more prepared. Maybe get a proper frame. You can go back to your coffee and beer if you'd like. We need to do this right. He hands Mr. Garcia a business card. I'll be in touch. Knudsen exits and slams the door behind him. The picture of the first presidency falls to the floor. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right. Inside the Jensen house, Jack and Jill and the entire Jensen family are gathered together in the front room, all dressed in their Nephite costumes. Ready to break a leg out there tonight? The family cheers. Yay. 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 Yeah. Tom, Tom's like three of the kids, so. <laughs> Tom, can you simultaneously do three kids' voices cheering? No, I can't. Sorry. <laughs> Let's just pretend. All right, gather in. All the family puts their right hand into the center of the circle. Oh. Lord, we humbly thank you for our tremendous blessings, our great talent, which exceeds others' talents beyond measure, <laughs> and the opportunity to humbly share our exceedingly great talent with others. We do this tonight for you on three. One, two, three. Amen. 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 Okay, inside a Greyhound bus. The bus is decorated for Christmas with one pathetic Santa Claus streamer. Sydney and Dennis sit together near the front. There's still a chance we can make it. I don't know how. They look out the window and see a sign that reads, Now entering Utah. Set clock back 100 years. Ah. That's pretty funny. That's I like that. Actually. Yeah. Self-effacing sign? No, it wasn't. I was never associated with Utah, so that was me making fun of Tom. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I want to make he, that He makes sign. his Mesa jokes. Yeah, yeah I want to make yeah. that it was, sign and put it there. Yeah. It would be more accurate if it said set your clock back to 50 years because that's where they're stuck. Okay. Be more accurate. <laughs> Dude, hundred years ago they were practicing polygamy. Actually, I think fifty-three would be more accurate. No, 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 fifty-six. Okay. The bus passes more Adams and Eva on their scooter. Hurry up, Dennis. We're nearly there, and I don't feel like a Mormon yet. Right. There's something important I almost forgot. What's that? Remember when I taught you how to talk to a guy, all the giggling and the hitting his arm and saying, totally, and no way. Well, you also have to feel his arm like this to check for garment lines. Garment lines? What the fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) It just became the first PG-13 Mormon movie ever. No, you need three. You need. Yeah, because you need three fucks to get into an arm. Right. right. So we just crossed the threshold, though. Yeah. Um, 
It means that he's worthy. Good marriage material. Here, try it. Sidney reaches out and feels his arm. I don't feel anything. Well, you wouldn't on me, would you? But don't worry. Even if you can't feel it, there's another way to tell. What's that? Dennis points to a guy a few rows behind them. The wide, scooping collar line of his undershirt can be seen through his thin white shirt. Dennis draws a similar collar line on his own shirt. Eternal smile. So that right there, that's an eternal smile? Mine? No. Beefy tea. (laughs) So is that it? That's all I need to know to be Mormon? Pretty much. Well, there's a little doctrine wouldn't hurt. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> well, let's see. Okay. okay. Well, one of the biggest things you need to know is that we live... Oh, my God. Now we have to go through another one. <laughs> God, <laughs> We're working backwards. We're going to one of the other circles. We haven't hit all the circles. Oh, freak. Oh, let's do one flannel board and call it good. <laughs> Remember, this this Dennis guy is a guy who still thought uh, adults needed dance cards. Dance cards. But now he knows all about feeling for garments. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay. One of the biggest things you need to know is that we lived before we came here. Sure, I already believe that. Like reincarnation. No, no, not like that. You weren't like another person or amoeba or something. You were you. You lived with your family and everyone lived with God up in heaven. It was perfect state of perfect love of perfect happiness. Okay, so if it was heaven and it was so perfect and everyone lived with God, why did we leave? To learn. To learn what? To be more like God. Wouldn't we have learned more by staying with him? Well, we'd already gone as far as we could go. We had to come to earth to get a body and learn to be more like God. Why did we have to do that? So we can go back and live with him again someday. But isn't that where you said we were when we started? This doesn't make any sense. Mm, okay, so let, let's let's skip the doctrine. Oh, there's Glenn's. <laughs> there's another edgy commentary. Yeah, I like it. My edgy. Good. It's good. Oh, sure. Before you were saying, let's just do one flannel board well, presentation. This, eh? this is the flannel board. This one. I okay. didn't like the other ones. There. Right. Okay, where were we, Dennis? There's more important stuff to being Mormon, anyway. Uh, like what? <laughs> hey, where'd Jake go? Well, we lost him. He's got the three dots. Uh oh. Oh. Look, missionary work, converting others. No, that's not how he did it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with it. Uh, yeah, that that was pretty edgy, Glenn, to to have him abort when it got uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, do the do the line, Glenn, or Bob. <laughs> like what? Oh, you want me to do both both parts? Somebody yeah, else want to yeah. do? Yeah, <laughs> like missionary work, converting others. But how can you do that if you're not really sure to fit yourself? Mm, okay, well, let's see if this time <laughs> I'm like doing all sorts. Of... <laughs> 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 let's see if there's time to teach you how to quilt and make a casserole. Okay. Uh... Inside the cultural hall, a starry-eyed crowd sits before the stage, curtains drawn. Mesoamerican-themed Christmas decorations fill the room. An excited buzz fills the air. As cheesy as it is, these people absolutely love this yearly tradition. The lights dim, the music rises. A small but amazingly proficient orchestra plays the opening prologue. Okay, uh, Jake just texted me that his internet cut out and he has to restart the moment. Okay, uh, just a minute. Who's the singing mind woman? Ooh, I get to sing? Yeah. 
you got to come up with a tune for the stand. Yeah, you got to come up with a tune. <laughs> okay, uh, the lights dim, the music rises. Uh, small but amazingly proficient orchestra plays the opening prologue, which I totally ripped off from Waiting for Guffman. Right. The curtains open to a stage designed to look like a Mesoamerican or to, designed to look like Mesoamerican culture. This is an overly cheesy play that is meant to be performed over the top. An overzealous performance given by overly earnest, although not overly talented performers. Opening song, zero BC. The music begins. I kind of like that zero BC, zero. but anyway. <laughs> you, know there, you know there was no zero BC, right? Yeah, but this is this is Jerry's. Yeah, you it's know, he's setting the, the stage for us. This <laughs> is the, the, the song is called Zero BC. No, was, they That's started the with joke. one, but the, okay. the yeah, joke okay. is he doesn't know that there's not a zero BC. Okay. <laughs> uh, 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 Leslie, uh, dressed as a Mayan-looking woman, enters stage right. Was, so really, this should be Tom, actually, because it's Leslie. Yeah, I'm the daughter singing later. This feels like a setup. <laughs> um, I am lost in this world. Where can I turn? Where, oh, where can I turn? It's zero BC. Oh, yeah. Zero BC. <laughs> I like it. Nice. That was Nicely great. done. Awesome. A Mayan-looking family made up of several Jensen kids, also played by Tom, enters the stage left. My parents uh, have kids. What is it? Am I doing? I'm not doing that. Who's doing that? I don't know. I have it highlighted for I, me. I'll do I have it, it highlighted for My parents. All right. My parents haven't raised me well. We've done the best we can. There must be something more out there. So I can be a man. Where Where can can we turn? turn? Where Where we turn? Can we turn? turn? It's zero, it's zero BC. I say zero BC. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do we have lag, but we have yeah. people that don't have the same tune in their head. <laughs> There's no tune. A Mayan artisan, played by Brother Bear, who is Jake, actually, uh, enters. I thought this world would make me happy. I thought this world would make me neat. I thought thought this world world would be fulfilling. And put me on my feet. Oh, where? 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 Yeah, this is kind of that voices calling me from the Saturday's Warrior thing. Where is this? Okay, anyway. The music fades. The stage lights dim. Spotlight on Jerry who enters center stage to grand applause. In his hand, he carries silver plates. Behold, I am Jerry Iha, follower of the prophet Samuel. I have in my hands the words of truth. All ye who long to be free, look ye thee to me. The other performers... Is there a cricket? Did you guys hear that? Yeah. Oh, that's my house. Yeah, there is a cricket. <laughs> oh, wow. Good Sorry. mic. Yeah. Okay. The other performers on stage mutter to each other. Okay, another song. Uh, this really is my favorite song. Um, <laughs> All signs point to. 
is the name of the song. The music begins. All on the stage from the previous scene begin their choreographed dance moves. Jerry is not nearly as good a singer as he thinks he is, but he's diligent and works through all the rough spots. Yeah, so tone it down, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a great singer, so I'll nail this. Okay. <laughs> I look down at the ground, I look up at Cilio, Cielo, Cielo, and the one thing that I know when I see the rainbow is he is there and he is good and all signs point to him. I look around at my life, I've given up all to know him. I only hope I can show him, unlike all they in sin, that I am here. And I am good, and all signs point to me. The cast members gather around Jerry and sing the backup chorus in parentheses. This is going to be tricky. Below, while Jerry sings the lead. I live a good life. Singing. All signs point to. I am kind to my wife. All signs point to. I don't give people strife. All signs point to. I don't brand a knife. All signs point to. I'm kind to bees in the hive. All signs point to. I give people five. All signs point to. For righteousness, I do strive. It's really not supposed to be this slow of a song. <laughs> For I know he is alive. Hey, I'm doing my part fast. It's these backup singers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't blame it on us, Scott. No way. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get that last line again, Scott, with gusto. For I know he is alive. You're awesome. you're right. You can't sing, man. the cast members return to their previous positions jerry continues with his song oh my god i know i I shine my light to the world in all the darkness around us i stand for truth and i don't fuss my testimony you can't bust because i am here and i am good all signs point to all signs point to me. Nice. <laughs> Wild applause. <Yay. laughs> the cast members exit, except for the artisan, who has an overly sad expression as he chisels at the nose of a large cardboard Olmec face statue. Jerry moves towards him. He stops in front of the artisan and takes in a majestic sweeping view of the invisible landscape. The artisan stops his chiseling and greets Jerry Iha. Hey, old man, what is that you carry? These, sir, are the words of Samuel, the Lamanite prophet. He who brought us the words of truth. I see. The Lamanites are now so much more righteous than we, but I must admit, I do not know that I am familiar of who ye speak, for I have lived in ignorance all my days, and am thus very unhappy. <laughs> do you mean that Samuel, who prophesied the birth of the Messiah? Uh-huh. Do you mean that Samuel, who said that Jesus would be born in Jerusalem, the land of our fathers, and that we would recognize the sign of his divine birth by a day and a night and a day that will appear as only one really long day with no darkness, only light? <laughs> Uh huh. 
You mean that Samuel, who was persecuted for his beliefs by all of the non-believers and had to escape from prophesying atop the city walls for his life and hid in the wilderness and established a small but faithful following of faithful believers who faithfully believe in the glorious teachings that he gloriously taught? The very same. I'm not sure that I believe all of these things. I was raised by the traditions of my fathers, which I know to be false. (laughs) Tell me, sir, are you a follower of Samuel? Although I may be put to death for admitting it thus, I am brave and valiant, and hold my testimony as an ensign unto the world. I therefore let my light so shine, and therefore do freely admit that I am truly a follower of he. Sir, I marvel at your confidence and serenity. You amaze me with your boldness of speech. What is this strange sensation rising in my chest, confirming to me that the words you speak are full of light and truth? Pray tell me how I may align myself with thee. What is the name of your small but humble group of followers? Ye who faithfully follow the glorious teachings of Samuel? We call ourselves the Salmons. So the, the, the song that plays now is the Salmon Rap. Which I'd never wrote. Thank God. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's one merciful thing. Salmon, salmon rap, do the salmon rap. Salmon, salmon rap, do the salmon rap. At the end of the salmon rap, <laughs> Jerry provides a quick baptism to the artisan and sends him on his way. Jerry walks across to the small or to a small table with Janice and Jill in character. Greetings, husband, the leader of our home. Since Jake isn't here, I'll do Janice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Father. It is with heavy heart that I greet you, for I have news concerning the sacred birth and the sign to which we look forward of its coming. Tell us this news, for we are stalwart and brave. A day has been set aside by the non-believers to put those to death who believe in the sign unless the sign actually takes place. Such persecution we face for the truthfulness of our beliefs. What can we do, Father? We must journey with our brethren to a land northward, a chosen land, reserved for the faithful, for time, immortal, for those who covenant to serve the Lord. Let us make this pioneering trek together. And then another faithful song. for time, immortal? What does that mean? <laughs> Did you mean time immemorial? Immemorial? No, it... it Jerry meant to say time immortal. Oh, okay. Okay. It's the play within the play. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. It it gives me cover for all kind of mistakes. So (laughs) that's what it was. So now they sing the song, Salmon Your Children. Sing uh-huh. as they walked and walked well, and walked. Oh, as they sing, dude, this is bad. <laughs> it's real bad. Jerry, Janice, and Jill. Salmon your children uh, sing as they walked and walked Okay. Uh uh, as they march, the scenery is replaced with Zion Canyon backdrops and the Great Salt Lake. And song. <laughs> and the song, yeah. Father, we have been marching for days. When will the Lord reveal that this is the place? Hush, mine daughter. Doth thou want us to waken the crickets? <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> A group of non-believers stops them. 
They are dressed menacingly with body piercing, face paint, feather headdress, and tattoos. Among the non-believers is Jack as a, as a young Nephite centurion. Their leader, Gaddy Anton, played by Brother Bagley, steps forward. Halts! Do you think that you can escape from our decree? The day soon comes when if the sign is not given, you shall be put to death unless you will deny the Christ. We shall not deny the Christ. Okay, then just look out. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd of non-believers disperses somewhat anticlimactically. All except for Jack, who stands frozen to his spot, staring at Jill. Son, I see that thou art an impressive specimen and hast great merit and potential eyes of the Lord. Thine only sin is this, thine ignorance that has been brought about by the false traditions of thine fathers. Cometh with us, we shall teach you in the ways of truth. Inside the rest stop (laughs) at dusk, the bus is parked at a rest stop on the side of the road. Sidney and Dennis stretch their legs alongside the bus. I hope they hurry. We're running out of time. They watch as more Adams and Eva ride on the scooter. Okay, let's go through this again. Role play. We did this all the time on my mission. Best four months of my life. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm Jack, and you're his newest Mormon gal. Sydney does her best Mormon girl impression. Hello, Jack. She hits his shoulder playfully and feels for garment lines. What do you want? (laughs) You're a totally great guy. At least I think so from an eternal perspective. Of course I'm great. I'm the freaking slap, slap, smooth guy. I've been fasting and praying, Jack. I feel the spirit confirming to my heart that you are the one for me. We're soulmates, Jack. I feel that we were together in the pre-existence. Won't you take me to the temple and be sealed to me for time and all eternity? Perfect. They watch as Knudsen marches alongside the highway, tirelessly determined Terminator-like. Inside the cultural hall, the nativity play, Jill, Jerry, and a small group of believers huddle on one side of the stage. All the believers shout, Jack stands off stage, dressed in white. A stagehand sprays him down with a spray bottle to look freshly baptized. He enters and joins the believers. Jill points as as a group of non believers enter. Why is that group of non-believers gathered together? Believers. <laughs> they has cometh here to slay us. Look, the sun, it has set, and yet there is no darkness. Yea, behold, this is the verily the day and the night and the day. Must like it to one really super long day that Samuel hath spoken of doth. <laughs> We're saved. We'll see about that. The non-believers move forward, knives in hand. An earthquake rumbles. A cardboard boulder falls from above onto the non-believers and crushes them dead. They twitch and writhe on the stage. <laughs> in the death throes. They yeah. are dead. Tom, you gotta do this. Hooray! Hooray! Daughter, I believe this is this. For the final sign we have been waiting for, and since Amula Jack hath now been baptized, it is now appropriate for you to marry unto each other in the eyes of the angels and all these witnesses for all eternity and beyond. Gather together. (laughs) Amula Jack? Uh, Really, Amula Jack? Yeah. Amula Jack. Amula Jack. Amula Jack. 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 The cast gathers around for a wedding. 
Santa Claus enters from stage right on a cardboard sled pulled by llamas. The children in the audience are delighted by the sight of Santa. A few elves jump off of the back of the sleigh and throw candy canes into the audience. Santa approaches Jack and Jill with an open book, ready to marry them together. Jill bites her lip and looks very nervous. She's struggling to accept this. Ho, ho, holy brethren and dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to join these two young people in marriage, the Lady Jillian, who has been so faithful her entire life, and the newest member of our flock, Amelia Jack, whose conversion we witnessed earlier this day. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, yeah. Jill removes her headdress and breaks character. Wait, no. I can't do this. Jerry tries to stay in character. Uh, Yes, you can. It's your wedding day. No, Dad. I like Jack. Yes, we all do. We all love uh, Amula Jack. No, I mean Jack. I really like him. And he doesn't have to convert for me to want to be with him. He's a great guy, Dad. He doesn't have to be anything else. Uh, Hark, another sign up in the sky. Stop it, Dad. Why do you keep pushing this? You're my daughter. I just want what's best for you. Jack is what's best for me. He's the best thing that has ever happened to me. Think about our articles of faith. If there is... <laughs> Come on. Let me get through my life. I know, but I'm in pain. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> if there is anything beautiful, lovely, virtuous, or of good report, we seek after these things. Yes, and we make them Mormon. No, we accept them for what they are. Jack, I love my family. I love my religion. They may seem kooky and quirky to you, but they mean the world to me. Mormonism makes me happy. And I love that. But I am falling in love with you, too. And, well, and while I might... Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> and while I might... Ah, why do I want to put might in there? <laughs> it's not there. <laughs> and while I admit that I would love it if you shared my beliefs, you have shown that at least you, res- you respect them, and you haven't tried to change me. And that's more Mormon than most Mormons. Ooh. The audience watches with curiosity and bewilderment, not certain if this is part of the nativity play or not. I want to be with you for you, for who you are. You are kind and tolerant and patient and loving. You don't have to change a thing for me. All I want is for you to continue to be patient with me and be loving to me, even though sometimes it will all seem so, so weird. Do you think you can do that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> they kiss. The audience cheers. Santa gives a ho, ho, ho. Elder Moore rushes in from the back of the cultural hall. Stop the wedding. Stop the wedding. Sydney rushes in from the opposite end. She sees Jill and Jack's arm and immediately loses all composure. Jack, you can't do this. We aren't finished yet. I'm a Mormon girl now. I'm a Mormon. Marry me. Sydney and Moore rush to the stage. Elder Knudsen steps out from the crowd and confronts Elder Moore. All right, Elder. You're coming with me. Whack. Sydney slams right into Knudsen. Their heads smack together and they both fall to the floor. Jared. Oh boy. What are you doing here? I have to stop this. You can't marry a non-member. Think about this reasonably. 
Think about your kids. Don't you want a forever family? I'm not marrying anyone. This is a play, duh. Besides, <laughs> don't you believe in God, Jared? I'm a missionary. Then you must know all, all about kindness and love and charity. Sure. Moroni, 70-40-something. What's your point? <laughs> Elder Perry right there. It just, yeah, right. It, just, it just hit me that I'm in a love triangle with Tom and John. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And guess who's going to win, Tom? <laughs> What's it going to be, Jill? <laughs> Jared, you're a great guy. And you'll make a great husband to someone someday. But I'm in love with the slap slap. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a stupid <laughs> Okay. Let me, let me wipe the tears from my eyes. Okay. Jared, you're a great guy. And you'll make a great husband to someone someday. But I'm in love with... <laughs> can't get through it. <laughs> Uh, okay. But I'm in love with the slap, slap, smooth guy, and I'm willing to work to build a forever family with him. Sidney rolls over and hovers over the fallen Knudsen. Knudsen opens his eyes and sees Sidney framed in light. Finally, the ministering I have been praying for. Are you an angel? Sidney rubs her head and smiles at him. Cut to black. A caption on the screen reads, ending number one, non-Mormon ending. And in parentheses, Mormons in the audience, please close your eyes. Oh, uh, inside the cultural hall, <laughs> the cast members stand on the stage. Jack and Jill walk to the front hand in hand. Jill, I love you too. And maybe someday we can live here in Utah. But this place is just too weird. Is there any way you would come back to New York and move in with me? I thought you'd never ask. Waka chicka, waka chicka. Seventies music plays in the background. Oh my god! I know. Jack dips Jill into a full-on makeout kiss. Not oh, halfway here. Kiss. Full on. Yeah, Whoa, full-on makeout we're, kiss. Now we're rated R. It's All a those hallelujah. Waka guys always do yeah. a dip. <laughs> Jack kiss. instantly sprouts a porn stash. Uh, Jack, <laughs> Jack turns and winks at the camera. Jill makes a sexy model pose. Cut to black. A caption on the screen reads: Ending number two. Mormon ending. Non-Mormons, brace yourselves. Inside the cultural hall, the cast members stand on the stage. Jack and Jill walk to the front, hand in hand. Jill, I've been thinking about this. I, I don't know what this feeling is, but looking around at you and at your family, and all of you actually, at, at what you seem to have, I realize that I am missing something in my life. I want what you have. I want to be a Mormon, Jill. Jill, let's be Mormon together. People, <laughs> nice. That was good. People in the audience are teary-eyed. Jill's sister Leslie leaves the stage and approaches Elder Moore. I love you, Elder. This is your masturbatory moment, Tom. What? Because you're also more Jared. You're Jared. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Jared. Oh, golly, yeah. Okay. I love you, Elder. Leslie? Les, I never... Forget about Jill. You can start a forever family with me. Les needs more. (laughs) (laughs) Leslie moves in for a big kiss. Moore reaches out and shakes her hand. He turns to the camera and winks. Always keep them wanting more. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what? You know what? I gotta go brush my teeth after that pathetic line. That's, that's bad. Dennis teary eyed walks to the front of the stage, sobbing. I want to be a better person. Sydney takes Knudsen by the tie. Baptize me, you massive hunk of a man. <laughs> Hundreds of non-Mormons rush in through the doors, including flight attendant Catherine and Victor and Simon Weinstein. All the non-Mormons in unison, baptize us too. <laughs> Everyone breaks out into laughter and high fives. It's a celebration for the world. Of course, Cut high to fives. black. What's that? Yeah, high fives, of course. Celebration yes. for everyone. Yeah, right. correct. Uh, cut to black. A caption on the screen reads, and now for what maybe possibly really happened two years later inside the cultural hall. See, this is, I think this Are is my Wayne's Scooby- world. Yeah, we need the yeah, Scooby-Doo right. this ending. This is the Scooby-Doo ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I would have got away with it, too, if it wasn't for those meddling kids. Right. <laughs> I should have. Uh, the hall is decked out for a wedding reception. The song Love Philosophy by Jamiroquai plays in the background. It's people dance and jam to the good time wedding reception feeling. Jill's in a beautiful wedding gown. Jack's in a tux. Adam is booging with Eva. Jared is booging with Leslie. Sydney's booging with Knudsen. Jerry's booging with Janice. And Dennis is trying unsuccessfully to hit on flight attendant Catherine. As in the beginning of the film, hand-drawn arrows depict what we see on the screen as we freeze-frame through the festivities. Uh, two arrows point to Jack and Joel's wedding rings. Married. Two arrows point to Knudsen and Sydney's empty ring fingers. Dating. Two arrows point to Leslie's engagement ring and Moore's empty ring finger. Engaged. Three arrows point to Adam's and Eva's wedding rings and her protruding belly, respectively, multiplying and replenishing the earth. A fourth arrow joins the other three, twins. Two arrows point to Dennis, who is dancing beside Catherine, beside Catherine, and Catherine, arms folded, turns away, striking out again. An arrow points to a visible collar line under Jack's tuck shirt. Eternal smile or beefy tea? The scribbling disappears, and the following words appear: "Boy meet girl, uh, boys, boy, uh, boy meets girls, boy gets girl, happy wedding ending, <laughs> happy wedding ending." Search for fulfillment, fulfilled. Analysis: another cheesy Mormon movie. Thank God it's over. Almost. There's no clear indication whether Jack joined the church or not, but for the keen and desperate Mormon eye, there is a crystalline Salt Lake Temple figure on the gift table. That should be enough. They all dance and boogie to another song, and it's done. Shine a little love. Yeah, by ELO. These were the songs I was listening to at the time. <laughs> a lot of ELO like, love. I was waiting for the... I love ELO. Do you, I do, do love you want you know. Yeah, there's three in here, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Is that true. the "Shine a Little Love in Your Heart" song? No, no. Uh, I'll I'll put it on the. No. The, the, <laughs> uh, that was fun. I will say th- I will say this, Glenn. Thanks for thanks for letting us uh, uh, dump all over this. And it is, it, I mean, you're such a creative person. But this, just to be able to write, just to write this and and come up with this and everything, like. And you must just, this, this was a lot of effort. Like, it's a lot of time yeah. that you spent on this. So. Yeah, it, it, it did. It took a lot of time. But, it, you know, like I said, it was, it, I was avoiding writing my dissertation. And I, I don't, you know, I, I think, you know, Randy's asked the question before, like, why do we podcast? Why are we talking about this stuff and, like, hashing it over and over again? Like, I, I, I just like putting the Mormon stuff under the microscope and, looking at it. and this was a way of doing that for me just in a in a very different format than the way that we do it 
here and and also me being in a very different place then than right it's a, it was a, it was definitely a window into where you were because yeah. all the different all of the different you know like places where it was sort of a biting critique and then all the places where it was sort of apologetic you know were completely like a different place on the dial right yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it would yeah, be like, like the part uh, the, the part about the like the bikers with the with the tattoos and like they're all menacing and everything. It's right. such a it's such a, a window into what you you know or the the scene where she's you know she's got the bikini top on and he's like waves his hand and puts out the cigarette like all this outward yeah. manifestation stuff that that was bugging you um, anyway. Yeah, just, but well, but, but I don't I don't want I don't want to leave any confusion that like I wasn't thinking that that bikers were evil or something i was no, I no, was no, you're, no, you're saying yeah. you're, that the fact that the, that they're focused on this outward stuff right. you were so critical right. of that right right and instead you're saying that that actually though that there's a value here to the to the um whatever the deeper stuff yeah like to me the biggest zinger you know like if 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 it's working up to a single moment that moment is is the article of faith moment and the exchange between Jill and her dad when when she's like you know what about this everything that's lovely and virtuous don't can't we just accept things as they are that we don't have to try and make them mormon all the time and just mormonize the whole world that that was something that was really really bothering me at the time um and and kind of yeah, so throughout cult- this but yeah. cultural imperialism has bugged you for a long time probably because you served in Japan yeah yeah yeah, and, and, but also because I studied folklore, like, yeah. stu- studying folklore and studying the culture the way that I did, and then like looking at other cultures, like having my eyes opened up to uh, how myopic we are, and how you know, like we look at ourselves like we're the standard that the all the rest of the world has to rise up to, and it just I hated that. Yeah, I mean, we're and we're so parochial with our yeah. culture. And then right. to try to imperialize that to the world is almost cartoonishly funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of had this this moment of realization in my uh, academic pursuits, you know, that because it, when I when I wrote this, believe it or not, I still had aspirations to be a teacher at BYU. You know, that was something that I, I wanted to do. I wanted to teach folklore at BYU. And. I, I realized at some point as I was writing my dissertation and I was talking to all these people in my ward and, and just other Mormons in the area about humor and their views on humor that I realized that what I was seeing was contrary and pretty offensive to the way that they saw themselves. And, that you know, so like I started seeing this and going, I, I don't have an audience, you know, I don't have an audience for my academic stuff. What I would say in a dissertation about Mormon humor, people at BYU would not be wanting me, you know, there. Cause I, and, <laughs> yep. and so I started realizing that I just didn't, I wasn't fitting in. Um, and, uh, that, that's one of the reasons why I just stopped the, the dissertation. I didn't even go forward with it cause it was like a punch in the gut to me with the whole thing. So anyway, well, you've inspired me to All like, right. I have uh, every letter I ever wrote home, my mom kept and put in a book, and it's in my basement. So having an artifact, to, like, cause, you know, you, you, you don't really remember accurately where you were as a missionary or where you were before you had your faith crisis. Right. But to have this art, these artifacts that are in my basement, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading through them, and maybe that will inspire me to do a podcast on that. Well, that'd be interesting, but that's painful. It's very painful. Oh, 
Karen from the United Arab Emirates. That's in the Middle East. And I am a light set on a hill in the midst of my Muslim brothers and sisters. At least that's what they tell me at church. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Inside of the Weinstein truck, this really has nothing to do with this stuff at all. I just wanted to put Weinstein things in here. Uh, Sydney and Dennis ride in the front cab, scrunched between Sammy and Victor. Uh, what's what's this? A CTW ring. It's a secret marketing tool for Utah. It means choose the Weinstein. Instead of choose the right. We thought of that. So it could also mean choose the white. For the kids with lisps. And the racists. <laughs> Uncomfortable pause. <laughs> what? Wow. This is a weird scene. It is. The, the, the Weinstein stuff is totally... Yeah. Uh, so this is, this is your Jewish caricature, I guess, Weinstein. It, the, you know, people have said that. They, like, it, the Weinsteins came when I was a freshman at BYU. A friend of mine and I, we would crank call girls in the hall and we would do these voices that it was just a new york accent to us it wasn't jewish or anything and they it just we started talking about these products and it just like grew all these things so it's just kind of like an inside joke in my family i just put it in here because i thought it was funny but it doesn't really have anything to do with the (laughs) at all thanks again for the lift no problem. Uh, good place, Utah. Big market out there. Huge. Ever since 91? 92. Oh, really? What do you guys sell? A little bit of this and a little bit of that. Dennis pulls out a box from behind him that is full of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young bobblehead dolls. <laughs> he pulls out one of each and watches them bobble. Nice. You like it? Good, good, good. But here's our premier device. Show him, Sammy. Introducing the new and improved Weinstein Kissomatic. 
Sammy hands them a small kissing machine with oversized lips and a slightly protruding tongue. He flips on a switch and the parts wiggle and gyrate. Sammy launches into his memorized presentation. The Weinstein Kissomatic comes in three different sizes and has 16 variable speeds. It has a little nozzle built in for slava control. The lips and tongue are made from synthetic latex with a special graph from skin from my brother Victor's rump. Mm, smooth as a baby's bottom. Basically, well, you would know. <laughs> the Weinstein Kissomatic is basically a vibrator, but for kissing. <laughs> what the fuck? Sorry, I just uh, that was me. Uh, the oh, Weinstein no. Kissomatic comes with a pair of tweezers to remove any unwanted hair and tube of ointment in case you should see something that looks like a cold sore. Oh my god! Sounds delightful. These puppies sell like hotcakes. Sammy offers it to Sydney. Oh, oh, our handheld model is particularly good for road trips. Uh, I think I'll pass. Suit yourself, but it's good, clean fun. Nothing at all immoral. That's how Sammy we market winks. it. Oh, sorry. Sammy. Sammy winks. That's how we market it. I'll take one. what's that smell some kind of air freshener it's delicious see and if i if i had this to rewrite again i would have gone with the weinstein anal tic tac here um but instead i went with i would cut the weinsteins john says says now (laughs) really cut the jewish name out man this is like this is (laughs) your sleazy new york jew shyster there's nothing like like anti-semitic about except for the name but it's just a name it's not like what is jewish about this other than the name the voices (laughs) to me it was new york it was never jewish i don't know it was just funny that that for a freshman at byu that we're talking to girls on the phone about a weinstein kissomatic that they they'll win if they enter a contest you know we had this whole thing anyway (laughs) i i I did this at my dad's wedding and at missy's wedding well, we're not saying anyway. we're not saying this is intentional. We're just saying, in retrospect, it's insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> and I still don't see it. Like I don't. I, I don't. don't it's to. like if you say, if you say that somebody's a Mexican, is that uh, you're you're being insensitive to them? If you, if you like, play them as like uh, a stereotype. But what stereotype is this? I don't like. I don't know. I don't see. I don't see. Okay, it so there's a, a great line from The Office when Michael Scott goes. <laughs> Is there a less offensive word than Mexican that I can call you? To ask it? <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I see it more like, as Glenn is just the Mormon Judd Apatow. Like he 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 doesn't want to cut anything out. He just wants to do comedies yeah. that are two hours long or but, longer. But the thing is, the insider jokes that were funny in your own household or whatever oh, right. that, that that kind of thing doesn't have any. Place. So in other words, you're you're doing a thing that was internally funny that you you're you're remembering how it being funny, but it has to be established as funny in the right. Yeah, it 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 would probably not make it if this were ever made into a movie because this thing would probably be five minutes long. It'd be cut with everything else. That's why I said. (laughs) Right. Okay. so, uh, some kind of air freshener. That, my friend, is our second highest selling product. He hands Sydney a small bag of Hershey Kisses. Dennis takes one and puts it in his mouth. You like that? Sydney reads the label. Weinstein Hershey French Kiss? Got a juicy burst of slobber in the middle. Dennis spits the chocolate from his mouth. 
real tongue was too expensive. And it ruined the chocolate. The world's most amorous candy. You've got to be kidding. Victor pops one into his mouth. Ooh la la. Dennis pulls out another... Well, thanks. Now nobody's laughing at it, and I feel like an ass. Because <laughs> it wasn't funny. <laughs> okay. okay, how about this next one? Dennis pulls out another small box from the Weinstein collection and reads from the label. Viagra Jello? Highly effective and so versatile in use. Just one minor setback. It stains. Ah. I, I, no, I, it stains. I, no. I, Viagra Jello? It's not funny. If, if, if you saw the Jello like wobbling on the thing, maybe. Like a little box. Thing, when somebody eats it, when somebody yeah. eats it, then it stains their mouth, so it's clear that they've taken some sort of. Performance enhancing drug, is that what you're saying? We hope no, we hope that it stains something. Else. We hope it stains their mouth. That's what we're hoping, yeah, not, Jake. Yes. Be, oh, oh. Just stay innocent. <laughs> stay innocent. It's like balm. Yeah, okay. It's like balm. <laughs> it's, 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 you know what a bomb is? You know what a bomb does? Did I tell you Who told you put a bomb on? <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, there's sirens, flashing lights. Oh no, not again. Oh, it's me. <laughs> I have Tom's life. Pull over. They pull over. An officer speaks into the megaphone. This is the FDA. We know that you are. I'm sorry. We know what you are carrying. Step away from the vehicle and keep your hands in the air. Uh, yeah, this all this all should be cut. Wow. This, just, I don't <laughs> understand the scene. Like, what's the point? How does this like advance the? The plot. Please continue with the scene so we can finish yeah. the scene. Put your hands in the air and read your fucking lines. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones.